With gooey chocolate chunk cookie and chewy fudge brownie, you'll be glad Domino's new marbled cookie brownie is big enough to share with all your favorite people. Get the best of both chocolatey worlds when you order one today with any of your favorites from the mix and match menu. Choose any two or more mix and match items for $5.99 each, like our new marbled cookie brownie, medium two-topping pizza, specialty chicken, eight-piece boneless chicken or wings, stuffed cheesy breads, pastas, or oven-baked sandwiches. Two-item minimum handmade pan pizza and bread bowls may be extra. You must ask for this limited-time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charge. May vary. Blog Talk Radio. Okay. Okay. Talib Kweli. POC. What is this? What is this? Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. 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 This the upper echelon. What is this? This the upper echelon. What is this? This the upper echelon. Welcome to the prisoner of Brainiac, dumb, dumb, bust, scientific, oh, you feel it all up in your soul. We getting spiritual, you heard I'm coming back. It's a scary, you put the fear in you. I murder every track. It's a rhyme, it's a life, it's staring to. Real shit, back, it's a miracle. Rap been laughable over the last years. You reflect it like a mirror through who is the real living proof. I'm back with the classical shit. I'm back lyrical. Substance like bowls of cush into a vaporizer. And then a vaporizer. My paper may surprise you. No need to brag on my paper because I'm a naturizer. I vibrate higher. The truth break liars. I told you us and those like us. The lovers, the fighters, the writers, the excitement. Cut the grass, we can see the vipers. We cut the glass cause we the diamonds. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. This the upper echelon. What is this? This the upper echelon. What is this? This the upper echelon. Welcome to the see I be listening to real shit. Real spit, my die hard feeling. Type of shit the fake niggas find hard to deal with. I'm on a higher plane, I'm destroying it while I'm building. My friend can be contained for my name on the bomb of killing. Quality the artist that you wanna be. Moving through the darkness, the light is what's in front of me. Front of me, you pose exposing your insecurity. Supposedly it's lack of replacing lack of maturity. The purity you need to get in the game is born. Ain't no conspiracy. Stop looking for someone to blame it all. Gotta pay a debt. Put your stale style and I made a fresh. Wait a sec, got the girl, wetter than tomato flesh. Waiting on me with beta breath. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. Check it out, baby. Check it out, y'all. Walking through, double fisted, I'm lifted off something vicious. Everything is moving, I'm getting me a percentage. Vintage, nothing but the sky's my sentence. My girl is riding down, avoiding the evil tantrum. Ah, uh, ain't no question who the best is. You don't like to say the fuck out of my mansion. Pimping, down to the socks, it's all business. So all night work out like 24 hour fitness. Y'all niggas is adorable, incorrigible The praise that you get is barely audible People is ignoring you, why? The last place in the world that you belong is a recording booth Order suit, niggas is gassed up Petroleum a lab when these niggas get swept up Custodians of culture, back to the future Rap, DeLorean, the class of the joint The spit of valedictorian This the upper Welcome to the 
Never in your wildest dreams. Shit on a nigga, 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 nigga. 
straight up. You know why? Clap, clap on, clap off. Clap at him and I did not mean applause. Rap nights in a Santa with no claws. Track twice bananas with no chorus. Yeah, it's suicide murder. In the hood like catalytic converters on the block like Lego in the street like street like Three little pigs is what I be on these beats like. In other words, the police say it, say it like pop, the police, fuck them. Uh, and that's straight from the underground. Well, little kids got it bad cause we brown. Uh, now who am I, P-Mars, to do or die? Nah, stop suicide, Queensway, I get down. I peep the Venice in the street and summer. You may not play lotto, but you know these numbers. The 105th, the 103rd, my people in Queens, the 113th. We get the urge to get on some car shot shit. My brain's a clock clip. My lane's be on some 1-800-cock shot shit. Say, we we gonna? Uh, say, we we gonna get together? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day, one day, one day, one day, one day. We went from niggas to porch monkeys, the Negroes to black back to niggas again, yet niggas still hungry. Abolish the N-word, the plan's so corny. My homeland security cams are all on me. They walk through the fiber optics, it dawned on me that cops can just run in your spot quick without warning. They educate the masses to follow, it's so boring. I sat in the back of the class and sleep snoring. And they asked me why I'm vocal and adamant Cause I lost my focus like Governor Patterson In the ghetto where it's impossible to escape And the first obstacle is escape where I'm in my abdomen Bitch, I can fuck that I saw javelins and $5,000 bills in the face of James Madison This is an American post-mortem To focus on your bogus, no resort of forum And clap Say we were gonna Say we were gonna get together
Hold on. Okay. Let's see. Let's test Let's see, Brother Abbott, can you hear me now? Islam, Islam, I hear you, brother. All right, thank you for working with me, brother. I had a technical difficulty. I don't know what the problem is, but we're going to work through it. You know what it is. Indeed, indeed. How you been, family? Oh, man, I've been great. I've been great, man. You know, just... Uh, doing a lot of research, like I always do, and trying to uh, get this movement back to where it was at when the prophet was on the scene and take it somewhere even greater. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And, you know, now that you're dealing with, like, a lot of the topics, you know, I love it when you come on because not only is it, like, you know, do we build on the educational type of thing, but the flow is always so, it's, like, conversational. So it's like an opportunity for other people to not only listen to how we conversate on the phone, but it's like a wealth of knowledge and information 
of how we exchange our information in our conversation. So I do appreciate you taking the time to, you know, share some wisdom with our listening audience this evening. Oh, honors, honors. The last show, you know, when when y'all had me on Amin Ross Squad Radio, that went so good. I kept saying, man, Unc must be sedated or something. <laughs> this, conversation, <laughs> right. this conversation going too good. <laughs> yes. He was waiting for it, right? Wait for it. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's why I was just sitting there like, wait for it. Wait for <laughs> right. it. <laughs> right, right. I'll praise you to a lot, man. That's what it is, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> so, Brother, brother Ava, what are, like, you talk dealing with, like, some of the topics that you've kind of been dealing with. What are some of the topics that's been kind of, um, that you've been hearing that maybe mm-hmm. you would like to add clarity to or just, you know, shine some light upon? What are some of the topics that you've been dealing with? All right. First, let me just say real quick, I rise giving all praise to a law and the highest of honors to his holy and divine prophet, Noble Drew Ali. I extend those honors to the harbinger and forerunner, Marcus Mosiah Garvey. I extend honors to all true and divine prophets. I extend honors to every messenger that was sent to us in the West, and I extend honors to you all that are listening in tonight, for when man honors man, he honors his father, God, Allah. My, my primary topic right now is going at this guy named Sassy Ali Abdat. He wrote a paper called um, Before the Fez, uh, Noble Drew Ali, 1886 to 1925. And in the, in the article, he, I mean, uh, let me, I'll have to be honest and say that he gives a compelling argument. He makes a compelling argument. Some of the comparisons that he made with some man he dug up named Thomas Drew, born January 8, 1886, stayed at the same address that the prophet stayed in in New Jersey. Those types of things you simply cannot ignore. But one of the things that I have learned in doing research and trying to pattern my style of writing after, you know, true academics like Wesley Muhammad, like Sister Dana Marnici, but one of the things that I, I added into my studies and in, in my research is how to spot the logical fallacy, how to spot an informal fallacy where a premise is created, but the conclusion that is given is not one based on facts. It is based on the author's own opinion. But he, the author, squeezes the square peg in the round hole so eloquently and then tilts it to the side so mm-hmm. you can't see that the square peg is actually forced into that round hole. And and that's one of the, the projects that I've actually been working on for about the last week and a half. I'm about 30 pages in to my rebuttal. I've got about right. another 20 more pages to go. I'm taking my time with it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That would be very good. I look forward to actually checking out both articles you know, for, oh, um, for the clarity of it all. What What is the motivation of, of the brother actually writing the article? What's his, what's his base premise of it all? Is he in the um, more science temple? Is he, a, is he a, a, a Muslim, like, as far as practicing more science? Or what, what, what is his, his motivation? You know, as, as this article came out, I, I took the time to sit back and assess the many different 
articles that I've seen, that public uh, that publication, the Journal of uh, Religion and Ethnicity. I could be saying it wrong, J R E R or J E R E R something. And right. I said, uh, there's a book, Islam and the African American Experience by Richard Brent Turner, and in it, yes. he takes the position of Okay, you know there's the rumor that Prophet Noble Drew Ali traveled with the circus. Never been proven. Yeah. Never been proven. Right. But in that book, Mr. Turner says it is more likely that Noble Drew Ali traveled with a circus, and this is where he learned degrees of mysticism. And I'm paraphrasing. As opposed to, right. well, maybe he was overseas and learned some mystical knowledge from some actual Egyptian adept. Yes, Mr. Turner. Mr. Turner would say um, Noble Drew Ali's information was theosophical lore that had no historical value to it. So I contacted Mr. Turner, sent him right. several of of my expositions and videos, and said you're, right. you're wrong. I would like to challenge your assertions. And I seen a, <laughs> you know I sent my number. I mean, sent him my number. Next day I get a phone call and it says. The um, U- University of Iowa, Iowa State University, Iowa State University. I said, is this this guy really calling? And I picks up the phone. I says, peace. And the next thing you know, I hear, click, <laughs> because he didn't want it. <laughs> their mo- I believe their motive, and I, and I, and I, I say that to, to qualify what I'm about to say. These guys, yeah. I believe, are trying to make their academic career off of Noble Drew Ali. He is the most enigmatic figure of all of our leaders because there was really no history written on him. He was only a passage in a chapter of a book, and most of that information was faulty, just based off a bunch of rumors and the author's conjectures, et cetera, et cetera. And I believe that these guys partially – are motivated by trying to boost their academic career, and secondly, because they hold religious biases. Some of these professors at these colleges have Christian backgrounds. This guy, I went to his Facebook page. I mean, he looks like he fights for uh, Palestinian-style militancy. I'm like, okay, well, he may have an unorthodox view of because I believe we're the orthodoxy. We, I believe that we embody what true Islam means, period. Yes. And that could be his motivation. Nevertheless, when I get finished with this piece, and I'm impressing myself with this piece. I was lessons teach us the wise man seeks for his own approbation. Before I was always yes. trying to press, impress you, Ish, and impress Ankh, and uh, impress some of the people that were on your team, and not just your team, many people, because I wanted to be looked at as an actual, maybe not a, so much of a scholar, but somebody to say, you know what, man, that brother know what he's talking about. So I wanted to yes, have sir, that, and I wanted to get peers. that respect. You want, you want, yeah, to, you want peers. to respect of your peers. Correct. That's it. Correct. So the way I'm putting this together, I actually dug a little deeper into academic style uh, research on what bad scholarship looks like so that I can uh, create the framework of what I'm doing right now. 
and I, I'm impressing my own self with this particular treaty, and Mr. Adat is going to get that work, period. <laughs> that, 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 that's what's up. What I noticed was a couple things. What I noticed mm-hmm. is that when you do challenge people who, who put out scholarship like that, once you do place it under uh, academic scrutiny, I mean sincere, in-depth academic scrutiny, most of the time it starts to buckle. You start mm-hmm. to check people, you know, methodology, because the methodology mm-hmm. is everything when it comes down to, to, to scholarship, you know. And once you've mm-hmm. mastered a certain type of methodology, then that's what will make you, quote, unquote, a good scholar or a bad scholar. That's right. That's so right. once you're able to put that microscope under there and start to really look and see, once, once you just take it back to the, to the, to the mantra of show and prove, mm-hmm. then you start to see that a lot of what they start doing is freestyle. A that's lot it. of what they're doing is, is assumptions, and once you start to challenge them on where you get that from, it's, well, it's really not proven. Well, you didn't say that. <laughs> you presented that as a fact. That's right. Since you presented it as a fact, and now we're asking for those facts that you put out there. Either you clean it up, or I'm going to have to expose you for the fraudulent scholarship that you're presenting. That's right. And, and you know that that comes. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was I was just going to interject real quick and say that's exactly what I'm doing with this piece. I am showing people what I've had sheiks that actually sheiks come on the threads and say uh, the information is sound. I got some like, what? What What do you mean? Are you kidding me, man? Right, Um, right. I'll be be saying to myself, just be easy. Just show them. That's all. (laughs) And and I think many many, uh, (laughs) of the family within the Moorish family, we get into such a practice of regurgitation that Mm -hmm. we just take it as a given. Because it's that mm-hmm. oral history that hasn't mm-hmm. been challenged. And when it's been going right. for five years, 10 years, 15, 20, mm-hmm. 25, 30 years of mm-hmm. oral history that's never been challenged. That's right. Then people just take it as a given. This happened with the that's president. Right. This happened with the cherry tree. This happened with this. This <laughs> happened with that. And then once you place it under the scrutiny, then you start to see, well, my, 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 you know, my, my sheep taught me that. Or that's know, right. my master teacher taught me that. Well, no, you know, that's why cleaning up myths is a very important thing. It's a very mm-hmm. delicate thing, but it's a very much needed thing. We that's need right. that to happen. You know? And you know, so this article, what this guy does, is, in a way, is good. Because he attacks some of those myths from a scholastic slash academic standpoint. And so some of the, look what you just said on my sheet, I was just having that conversation the other day in the Moorish Quran, Prophet Jesus is building with Baratho Arabo, and Baratho Arabo was talking about how man is mine and how man started from a, a protoplasm and went from worm to a, 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 a fish to a plant to a beast to the field. And Prophet Jesus said, well, who told you this? And he right. said, our priests have told, told me, and so we know. And Prophet Jesus says, if you have no better proving of your claim, then my, our priests have told us such, like basically saying, man knows nothing by being told. And this is Absolutely. what's going on. 
and the Morris Science Temple of America. This is why a lot of members of the Morris Science Temple don't like me because I challenge a lot of the myths. No, you cannot prove there's a cherry tree that George Washington right. cut down and equated it with the flag of, uh, of the Moors. Uh, this is a maxim. Can you show me in the literature where Prophet Noble Drali calls this continent a maxim in any way, shape, form, or fashion? The Rio Negro is the river that the prophet is speaking about when he says Negro, a name given to West, a, a name given to a river in West Africa, because by the Moors because it contains black water. Really? Because the name of the river down in in South America is called the Rio de Negro. Are you kidding me? Right. Right. You see, we have to attack that because those are. I mean, that's just, it's, it's faulty scholarship. And when you're trying to raise up a school of thought, when that, when, when you, your brother, you and the Amin Ra squad, like, you don't, I don't, of course you don't know, but when I deal with people and they say, well, you know, how did you, how did you get to where you, you're at now? I always say it started with my battles with the Amin Raskar. I said I knew Nobu Drew Ali was right just from the little bit that I had. But they were able to confound me with so much stuff that I had to learn how to to do real academic. I say I tell that story all the time. And that's, you know, y'all were my stepping stone to where I am right now, believe it or not. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we, we all have that. We all have that mm-hmm. motivation to say, man, I know I can make it through the 12-round fight, but now let me just get on the treadmill. Let me get my road work. Let me get the yeah, feedback. Let me, let me dedicate myself to my craft so that I mm-hmm. can defend what I represent. If I That's cannot true. articulate what I defend, then I'm not a scientist. I have to That's be a right. scientist. I have to that's earn right. this title, and that's why we have to understand that we are scientists, you know. That's right. And we have to be we have to be dedicated to our academic studies and what it takes that's in right. order to to wear that title, you know. That's right. But what I what, what right. I noticed is that a lot of these uh, those who represent Arab Islam, they try to uh, it's a backdoor route in order to co-opt our form of Islam from them. They mm-hmm. cannot, you know, the, the, the history is clear on who was practicing Islam to urban America when mm-hmm. no one else cared about us. That's right. None of them cared about us. When there That's was right. no, I don't care who they try to claim they are. They, they claim they Ahmadiyya or they claim they from India. <laughs> they claim they from Arabia. They, clear, they I don't care where they claim. None of them cared enough to come to urban America and deal with our people with Islam before Noah right. Ali. So That's now right. that they have now that they have that history, they take backdoor routes in order to try to acknowledge Noah Ali, but then try sooner or later plug it into their form <laughs> of Islam. Uh-huh. But the facts are clear that we were not taught to practice their form of Islam. That's right. We're not taught that we're not to practice that. We're taught to, to practice a form of Islam that is custom made for us and our condition. We had a prophet sent to us, for us, and we wear his name and come in his name as a family name and titles. 
as a right. more society acknowledged by Resolution 75, 1933. So as a mm-hmm. more society, we are recognized and our titles have been returned to us. So we function right. under these particular titles. That's right. You know, that's right. A lot of a lot of people, they, you know, the fight, and I try to I try to find the best way to approach the fight, and and you know I always told you're doing it wrong. You got to do it this way, you, brother. You can't come in with with, with the with the axe. You got to use the scalpel. And I mean, I only know one way to fight. You know, and we try to transition ourselves from you know the street rough life into into this intellectual life and some of our tactics come with us but yeah. when you have a situation like I've authored Marcus Garvey's uh, uh, cry one I say one name one aim one God and one destiny one yeah. name one aim one God one destiny there's a movie called the triumph of the will it was the propaganda movie that was put out by Adolf Hitler and it, I mean to me it's one of the greatest movies ever produced because it was how he was able to solidify Nazi Germany. But there's a scene in the movie that, I mean, if we can't take a lesson from anything, we should take a lesson from this scene. There are a bunch of young soldiers, and I guess this is the, the, the drill sergeant or whatever you want to call the head of the troops, over there, right. and he's mm-hmm. asking them their, their names and where they're from, and they're calling out, I'm such and such from Rhine, you know, and I'm, yeah, you know, that, but the thing that they represented, the party right. was Nazi, and the country was Germany. That's what right. they represented, even though they were from different tribes, if you will, different right. bloodlines, if you will, different nationalities, they all came together. Our people, they, we have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. We have a problem with that. We, we just we want to grab our little liner's blanket and put our thumb right. in our mouth and go sit in the corner and say, don't come over there with that stuff. Stay over there. And right. you know, we, never, we never have the issues resolved. We got to have the discussion. And the discussion is going to lead to a debate. So we can't say, I don't want to debate. We don't got time for debates while our people get shot down in the streets. Well, if we keep saying the same thing for 20 years, we're just going to keep saying the same thing for 20 years, and our people are still going to be getting shot down in the streets. What, when does it yeah. end? Right, 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 right. Good point. Good, good point. Good point. I, I, I think in our situation, our community – because he, I, I don't know, I kind of dealt with us in and out of this quote unquote conscious community because it's a mockery. So, so <laughs> the, the conscious community talks too much, mm-hmm. and when it's time to actually work, you know, because mm-hmm. Moors are supposed to be industrious, and I'm That's industrious right. by nature. I'm an industrious mm-hmm. individual. So, mm-hmm. when other people want to talk, when it's time for action, then that's to the detriment of us advancing as a people. Well, While, sure. you know, Michael Brown is murdered in the street. Cats are still trying to debate about destroying Islam simultaneously. That's clown <laughs> that's, shit to me. That's crazy. That's not the time to be talking. <laughs> that's not the time to be trying to dismantle someone's faith. 
You should be trying to unify the faith instead of talking. So, you know, a lot of the, the Harlem Woods individuals say, you know, they spend too much time talking when it's time mm-hmm. for work. You that's know? right. And I, I think that's when it's to our detriment. It's no resolution at the end of right. the day because really the, the people that claim to be leaders in the conscious community, they really have no resolve. It's like the rap battle with Murder Mook and, and um, what's his name? Uh, the last rap battle. Murder oh, Mook and Loaded Lux. Loaded Lux. And he said, well, what you're really trying to say is, hey, brother, you got $5 I can borrow? You know, like, those bars bars right there summed up what the conscious community is about. And I'm somebody that made a sacrifice because I'm used to being industrious myself. I'm just going to get out there and get it regardless. But when I got into this movement, I said, you have a choice to make. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to dedicate yourself to this, and you're going to have to go through a struggle. And I had to wrestle with that for a minute, and I went through the struggle, a struggle that I am slowly but surely pulling myself up out of right now. I have uh, literature floating around in in prisons in Michigan, especially Michigan and Kentucky and Missouri, Uh out here in Georgia, of course. So people are, you know, they're getting the information. And then I got chaplains contacted me from all over the nation all over right. so that was one of the let me i just want to lay out real quick one of my goals oh, that I, I had three about three four years ago i said the first thing i, I want to get people to do is trust me that's that was my number one goal and we know that the mob is fickle our lessons teach us that the public is ungrateful and unstable and that we shouldn't play the hero and endanger our lives for fools. So I said, I, I got to take another approach. And my approach was the first thing I said I wanted to get people to do was to trust me. So I have been through all the battles with all the people that claimed to bring up personal stuff about me, which was really twisted up lies. Well, lies based off of truth twisted up. So now all yeah. of that's out the way. I'm still here. I'm, I'm still going strong. The second point was I said I'm going to prove that what Prophet Noble Drew Ali brought to us was right and exact. And if I could get them to trust me, then I can get them to look at the works, look at the research. Even Wesley Muhammad bigged me up on, on one of my uh, notes that I did. No, I thought I figured out everything, and then I came across this piece where in, in our Moorish Quran, where the prophet said the Moabites are the founders of the holy city of Mecca. I'm like, how did I not see this before? And I'm like, the Moabites yeah. founded the holy city of Mecca? How in the world am I going to prove this? And every, yo, Ish, I promise, every time I said, how in the world am I going to prove this about right. something relating to Nobu right. Drew Ali's doctrine, something right. would just come in my inbox. Or, or just... Yeah. You know, yeah. somebody would say, check this out, and, and yeah, boom, it would lead me. That's and that, that, that's how I landed Sister Dana Marnici, um, the right. interview I did on Morris Science Radio. She looked at some of my stuff, and, you know, she's a prof- more, way more professional than I. I'm still 
an apprentice. <laughs> you know, that's the I way I look at myself. But she no, said, no. you know, she said some things I don't agree with, and it could have been written better. But um, mm-hmm. wow, she said, this, yeah. I don't know who this noble Drew Ali guy was, but he must have knew either esoterically or orally a lot of what I am. And she's an anthropologist, archaeologist, scholar. Yes, work with everybody. Martin Bernard, right. Sheikh Anton Diop, Zahi Hawass. So her credentials yeah, speak for themselves. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> when she when she looked at some of the stuff, she said, "Yo, it, it forced her to look." Now every time she does a blog, she hit me up. She says, "Brother Lord Abel, I did a new blog because <laughs> she right, respects right. the fact that while I might not be on her level, I'm right. on the same track as her. She just all the way absolutely. up, and I'm running to catch up, so she can still look right. back and see me." <laughs> right, right, so, right. And and then I said I'm gonna get the information into the prisons, and that's where I'm at right now. And I said once I get to get the information into the prisons, I'm about to start hitting up the college campuses this week. I said right. then everything is gonna start to converge. If I could just get some people like Ishmael Bay to just listen right. to me, <laughs> and we right, could just right. stop fighting for one minute. If I could just get the brother to listen to me, not just you, but Sarjetti right. and Unc or everybody, because in cool. essence, we are the leaders. People respect Correct. our thought. They respect what we say. And guess what? If y'all said, yo, I need y'all to meet me here at such and such place, there are going to be some people that come out like, yo, I'm riding with you. What's up? What's good? Period. Correct. Correct. If, if we could pull that together, if we could somehow – pull that together, even if it has to be a debate. Philip Muhammad, got to shout out Philip Muhammad. I got to yeah, shout out. Ryan's right. out the chain. He called me out right. to the black debate. Uh-huh. I said, oh, beautiful. The hair stood up on the back of my neck because I know what's the they're black, not what's winning the black that debate. debate. What's that, what's that about? All right, well, the black debate about? The black debate is basically are we a black people? In, in the doctrine of the Nation of Islam, like the Father, so just like everybody's doctrine, basically, besides the Mormon Science Temple of America, it's about are we black people? And a lot of people, they don't understand, like Noble Drew Ali says this, right? When you go to um, Key, uh, what is that, Key 80, 87, it says, what is meant by the word black? Got to stop right there. What is meant by the word black? Well, who is giving the definition here? Is it Noble Drew Ali? No, he's repeating. He's repeating what is meant by the word black. And this was the thing that has been missed. And it's the same thing with with, with white. And so, you know, he said uh, basically we 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 weren't looking at it from a philosophical, and I'm paraphrasing here, I don't want to put words in the brother's mouth, from a philosophical right. angle. And I've I, I seen when you came and commented on the thread, and right. it, wasn't about, it wasn't about the philosophical degree of blackness. It wasn't about the, the, the uh, ancient cultural perspective of how a, a god or gods were seen in a particular religion. It was, are we a black people? That's that's Mm -hmm. the debate. And do we have black skin? Because that's what Elijah Muhammad says 
in his book that we, we have black skin. I can clearly look at my skin and see that it is not black. And when you look at Federal Director 15, right, I'll bring this right. up all the time. I'll run this into the ground, until, and I'm going to keep running, running it into the ground until people decide to look at it. It says that these classifications are not based on anything scientific or anthropologic in nature. Well, if you have That's racial, exactly what it says. if you have racial categories that are not based off of science or anthropology, please somebody tell me what are they basing these definitions off of these classifications. It's quite right. simple. They're basing them off of political status. That's it. How do we prove it? Mustafa Hefni comes over from Egypt in the 70s. He uh, lives in Detroit and for years doing his thing, studying and, you know, operating businesses. So one day he decides to go apply for a small business loan at the, at, you know, at the SBA. And they say, I'm sorry, sir, you can't just walk in here from Africa claiming to be black. Right. I, like, we, I, I don't try to judge my own intellect. I don't try to judge, but I, I look at brothers like you. I look at brothers like Ark. I look at brothers like Sanjetti, brothers like Ngozi, and I'm just speaking specific to the squad. But then I look at everybody else, even a brother like Polite, a brother like the myth maker, a.k.a. Ali Muhammad. He's just going to always be the myth maker to me. And um, I, I don't mean, you know, I know how you have decorum on your show, so forgive me, but he's going to always be the myth maker to me. And, but, and I think about our intelligence levels, right? No, I exclude myself from out the pack, and I look at everybody else, and I say, why can't they just see that the, the classifications that are being used in this nation are not scientific? They're, they're not scientific or based off of anything anthropological. Good night. I love you too, Mama. If they're not based off of anything scientific or anthropological, what are they basing the categories off of? This, right. this is the question that I just want the brothers and the sisters, for that matter, to look at and answer. And then I believe that we can move forward. So, so I, I believe in, in, in America, in, mm-hmm. in America, in, in, in this territory, mm-hmm. what, what is what is a Negro? Well, there, I mean, it has changed up so much over the years. Go back, go back. You look at the the original 102s, right? Yes. Noble Drew Ali says in all the the original question there, which had 102. Questions. Noble Drew Ali says, what, I think it says, in, in all actuality, what is a Negro? Answer, a Negro is a four-legged beast. But when you go back and you look at the, in the early dictionaries of the, eighth, the turn of the, uh, the, the 19th and 20th, well, late 19th turn, early 20th century, you start to see that these were the definitions of a Negro, four-legged animals. These were things that Moors called certain things that were black. 
or certain things that were base. And like you see a main, uh, if a more seen a mangy mutt, call it a Negro, because we know that the Spanish is a fusion of the Latin and the Arabic. And the, the, right. this type of vernacular carried on. So we would look at a mangy mud and call it a Negro. So you look at movies like 12 Years a Slave. There was a scene when mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the traitor was, he had the young boy, and he, made, he put the ruler out. And he said, show him what you can do. And the young boy was, you know, he was uh, uh, like marching in place with his knees going up, hitting the ruler. And he said, you see, he's a fine young beast. Yes, he, he like is. He marching in place. That's right. So what what they're doing is they're using the word beast and the name Negro interchangeably. Nigger was nothing but a form of the word Negro. Nigger just became a derogatory term because it was starting to be used so much. Nigra was the proper pronunciation in the South. So in America, Negro becomes... It, it, it metamorphosizes into just just this black status. Well, then we have to look at the English word black. What is, so, what is the English? so you're saying a Negro is a status? Yes, it is. It, it's a status. It's, it's no different than black. That's why when you look at the 2010 census, they put that classification back on the census. Because remember... When you're looking at Federal Directive 15, these are the classifications that the Census Bureau has to use. So you can be as dark dark brown as the Yarrawa. Matter of fact, you can be the Yarrawa and and have lived in uh, Egypt somewhere. And Skin Graph was taken saying that the Yarrawa was some of the darkest people on the planet and come to America and you're going to be classified as white. Point blank period so now you have to act look at mustafa hefni let's say we take mustafa hefni and then we take a man that looked just like him in the united states of america born here raised here and then we put these two men together and we troop them out in front of everybody in a social experiment and say what are the race of these two people everybody is going to say they're black men wow they're or african-americans but mainly we're going to get black because we're asking for race so are they right? Well, no. First and foremost, nobody is black because they don't have black skin, period. No, nobody has mm-hmm. black skin. So now we have to look at it for what it is, the social construct. So now we have to say to the people, well, you're, you're right with this man, but you're wrong with this man. This man is actually white. And people are going to say, what are you talking? They're going to argue you. Up and down, this man is not white. What, he got on a mask or something? Let me rub your face, brother. Well, that's because we have been led to believe. We have, better yet, we have been led to accept a classification system that doesn't benefit us. It keeps us in the lower rung of society. And this is what the prophet was saying when he said, when you live up to these names, you are subject to the abuses that the regular citizens care to bestow upon you. Our Ferguson's, the statistics that come out, that cops and what they call extrajudicial officers kill one of our people every, what, what did it say? Every 48, one brother or sister every 48 hours since 20, yeah. um, 2013, I believe it was. So 
200 and something people, and there's no justice being done. It's all based upon a classification system. And when you start getting deeper into it, beloved, it's, it's yes, Christianity versus Islam. Right, and right, that's the right. part where I know my brothers like Ankh and Sanjetti, they're not going to accept. And I'm not trying to put them on the spot in that manner, so I hope they don't, if they're listening in, they don't take it that way. I'm just speaking to the mindset of those that feel that Islam has something to do with our enslavement and our downfall as a people, but we have scholars now like Dr. Wesley Muhammad who has shown that while some of that may be the case, the, the founders of Islam were people that looked just like us, just like us. So we, that's, the, that's the second step. Once we get over the yeah. black issue, we're only left with one more issue. And now it's this Islam, and people do not understand the political system. They just don't. They, Brother they Abba, don't how, how, mm -hmm. how important is it that you think there's a history in America that's never mm -hmm. focused upon, and it's, it's a crucial 150 years of, of the Spanish history in mm -hmm. America. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that the Spanish history is never – emphasized or taught about in school. They basically start the history with Jamestown. They basically mm -hmm. start the history of, of Virginia and then, you know, the Pilgrims, and blah, 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 but they don't, mm -hmm. I mean, there were already the Spanish history in America a hundred years before the Pilgrims even arrived, mm -hmm. but they never mm -hmm. teach about that. How important do you think it is about the Spanish history in America because the very first Spaniard that arrived here arrived mm -hmm. here with Moors. They, they mm -hmm. came right. as not as slaves. They came as Moors right. in full status. But why do you think that the Spanish history is not taught in America? I believe that the Spanish history is not given emphasis in this society because of one major factor. And that is the Spaniards came over and conquered the people. If you trace the Spanish language back, you're going to only trace it back to the 1500s when these Spaniards came over and the Portuguese came over and they dominated all of these different people. Up until then, the people had their own language, the uh, majority language that was spoken in the Texas and New Mexico down uh, into the Mexico region, region was the Nahuatl. So now you got this Spanish language, and you got these people that have this Spanish pride. Like, you, they love this yeah. Spanish. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They love that's it. True. So if, if you start delving, and I, I'll never forget I was on the A train. Uh, this one brother in my in my project, elder, he was always into knowledge. I was into the streets, but I was always studying. And we would just stop in the middle of the project some days and build, just stand there two, three hours going in. And we was on a train one day, and there was a Spanish cat sitting behind us, and we was talking about this very topic. And right. I brought up uh, Boricua. I said the real name of the island was was called, now this was uh, ninety 
96 or 97. I said, now, right. this is the, the real name of the island is called Boriquin. And the language was said to be Boricua. And I said, when the Spanish, Spanish people came and conquered the people, they took over uh, that particular land like they did many others. And so now the people stopped speaking the Boricua language and started speaking the Spanish tongue that they have now. Yo, this dude jumped up. <laughs> like a little kid, put you know, our little kids on the A train, they put their knees in the seat and look out the window when the train goes yes. outside. He jumped up. He was like, what? Right. He, he said, say that again? And I, I broke it down to him about how the original people, they, you know, the name of that island was called Boriquin, and the language yes. was basically called Boriqua. These were the Boriqua right. people. And, yes. you know, this brother's brain... You could just see his brain melting because he had right. so much pride in his spirit, but he had never heard this history before. So I believe that the right. suppression of certain history, well, Spanish history, I believe is based on that fact. Just based well, on I, that reaction I, 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 I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I have to concur mm-hmm. on that. You, you, want, you want the money with that? You want the money with that? They they dominated it. They did this all over the world. Some people call it white supremacy. I call it European psychology, because too many of it was it wasn't enough of them to defeat the the hordes of people. So they used they they used intelligence to to win the battles. And once they were able to set people against people, divide and conquer, it was a wrap. It was a wrap. Right. European psychology has set in, and this is what's going on right now with us. We all claim that we're black, but we can't even come together in Ferguson without, you know, beefing going on. You had uh, people getting at Jesse and getting at Al, and I know some people have their reservations about them, but, I mean, they're right. out there. They, they are out there, and that's on us now. If we feel that these men are ineffective, then we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? You know, you've seen the Moors out there in St. Louis, and I want to give a shout-out to the Moors for being on the front line. Like, I've spoken with them brothers. We had several intimate conversations about what was really, really going on out there. Some of them even came on Morris Science Radio to, to chop it up and give us reports directly from the ground. But had the temple been a little more active out there, well, right. maybe, maybe they would have been forced to deal not just with the preachers, but just deal with the grand sheiks of the Mauritius Temple of America. Most of them brothers out there was gangbanging, and they call themselves Moles, and we know Moe come from more. Absolutely. We know on the streets Moe come from more. So in a, in a sense, it's, it's also our fault as well. That's why I don't be riding on Jesse and, and, and Al and them like I used to. I'm like, nah, I had to assess, like, wait a minute, where am I at? <laughs> because yeah, every time something happens, they right there. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 they're right there. I mean, you know, the, the, the Negroes are very well represented at those type mm-hmm. of events. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, so, no, the leaders of the slave task. I've seen, right. I've seen I was watching MSNBC during the 2012 presidential election, and Al Sharpton, they was going in, going in, and they was talking about uh, some right being preserved, 
And Al Sharpton was like, huh, I want to make sure that the Voting Rights Act stay preserved. I want to make sure that the Civil Rights Act stays preserved. I'm like, what? Those acts, those acts show that you don't even have full rights. What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? I'm looking at the screen like, what are you talking about? The Voting Rights Act has to be signed every 25 years. Every 25 years. You've got to get permission to vote. That's right. Getting permission to vote. No, Abu Ali said, yo, the only thing you have to do is represent yourself as a nation. And he marched our people to the polls. He said, if you fail to cast that sacred ballot, you're nothing more than a political slave. What is a political slave? Somebody, what were the Jim Crow laws? The Jim Crow laws was based on political slavery. People that couldn't, because of the law, the illiteracy test and all of that other nonsense they had going on, but... It was an example, none, nonetheless, that they couldn't go express themselves at the polls. Right. And so they would right. keep electing racist people that would keep implementing racist po- policy. It wasn't nothing wrong with the system at all. Right. At all. Like, it's, when I think about brothers like you, like, I'd be like, yo, that brother could be mayor of Syracuse. Like, everybody in the conscious community pops in my head when I get into my zone, even if I don't like him, even if it's the myth maker, I don't like that guy. But my my love for my people makes me assess the situation different. And I say, man, a brother like that would make an excellent politician. Little myth maker junior, polite. He would make an excellent, these people would make excellent politicians, filibuster, go up there and talk 24 hours until we get what we need done in our neighborhoods, point blank. Yeah, like right, we right. we're misdirecting our energy, you know it. It gets frustrating sometimes. So what we, what do we do? We go on Facebook. We go on Facebook and pick fights. <laughs> right, right. And that, that's when I started. I, I posted up. I posted up recently that I had I stopped them arguholics. You know, the, the uh-huh. arguholics need to rehab. You know, uh-huh. they, they're, addicted, right. they're addicted to arguing. So I just, I just, right. you know, pull myself up out of that chamber. I posted mm-hmm. up in the chat room mm-hmm. an article which is called "Paper Genocide of American Indians." Walter mm-hmm. Flecker. And although you know, and and some of our listeners know. A vast majority of our listeners do not know who Walter Plecker is. So I'm going to read a couple chapters mm-hmm. of this particular article so that people get familiar with who Walter Plecker is. Again, mm-hmm. the name of the article is Paper Genocide of American Indians, Walter Plecker. Now, this particular uh, article is compiled by Sonia Braxton uh, based on materials from the HamptonsRoad.com, No More Indians by Ann Davis. Of Morgan James mm-hmm. Publishing. So this paper genocide, it says, since the beginning of the African slave trade in America, many Native persons, unfortunately, to the detriment of Native heritage, were being listed as black, mulatto, mm. Negro, or just lumped together as colored, mm. which did not allow for a distinction between us and Africans on paper. In the slavery days, being listed as Negro was done to our native people in order for white slave owners to keep an ample supply of enslaved Africans. Mm. Many blood natives have lost a God-given blood heritage due to slavery in southern states, which approximately 50,000 or more 
full-blooded Native men, women, and children alike were forced by white slave owners to take part in slavery, and with the travesty of race reclassification started from the first census ever taken in America. Natives were falsely listed on all census records as Negro, musty, mm-hmm. black, mulatto, or colored, or sometimes even white. This ties into exactly what you were saying about statuses, how the statuses were put into play by these censuses. I have the census records of my family going back to 1585. Mm-hmm. And I have even like my great-grandmother being listed mm-hmm. as mulatto, colored, mm-hmm. Native American, all same person, same individual, listed <laughs> under all of these different things. If you go on my Facebook page, Mm-hmm. She's clearly, you know, Native American mulatto looking. She has very mm-hmm. long hair and, and, and like five shades lighter than me. But mm-hmm. just one person gets classified by all of these different things in the census records. Mm-hmm. So we'll just, we'll just continue with this right quick. It says that Walter Plecker of Virginia Vital Records, he was the man who ran the Vital Records of Virginia for the listeners. He began a paper genocide trend that quickly spread throughout the 50 states and continue to this day. That's the article saying this. Wow. Plecker Plecker was a member of the eugenics movement, and Plecker had an agenda targeting at Indians, mixed-race individuals, and blacks in the state of Virginia. Plecker intentionally attempted to eliminate any evidence of any Indians in the state of Virginia in order to, quote-unquote, purify the white race. Plecker modified birth records on the state of Virginia. I learned in some cases Plecker actually ordered any documentation records of any individual that indicated Indians destroyed as well. Plecker threatened midwives, indicated Indian as the race of their birth certificate. So if the midwives wrote anything as Indian, he, they were ordered to change the birth records. That. You know, that is what these Plecker Woods, if you will, was doing back in the day. Absolutely. Now, you look at, uh, there's a book, Free Blacks of Lynchburg, Virginia, 1805 yeah. to 1865, published in 2001 by Ted Delaney. Philip Wayne mm-hmm. wrote on page 14 that reads, another important concern is that those people labeled as black or colored in the documentary record were often as much Indian or European as African and may not have had any African ancestry at all. Like what you just read and right. the, the quote that I just read, and I, I got a bunch of this stuff, is, is yeah. so telling. The book, Theodore W. Allen's Invention of the White Race, that book should be studied that every, every... Mandatory. Is mandatory because Absolutely. that book gives us an example of how before 1691 there was no white race. What was also telling about the book was a, the commentary that was given by a man named uh, Dr. Jeffrey B. Perry, Ph.D. I did some research on him. I just don't have like you know you get. Deeper, you start vetting them sources, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's and, right. That's right. You know, he 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 broke down. So he started breaking down so so many critical points 
right, like right here, he says, Professor Jordan directs particular attention to this decree and cites it as evidence for his belief that the enslavement of Negroes was the result of an unthinking decision arising out of prejudice against Negroes. It may be true that the court in this case was motivated by such feelings. Other, inference, other inferences are possible, however. Under English common law, Christians could not be enslaved by Christians. Presumably, Scots and Dutchmen were Christian, but Africans were not. Now, go back to what Noble Drew Ali said. He said, we are returning the church and Christianity back to the pale-skinned nations of Europe because that was prepared by their forefathers for their earthly salvation while we are returning back to Islam because it was prepared by our forefathers for our people. That's the, this discussion is a two-legged discussion. It is the right. racial issue, and right. it is Christianity versus Islam. That's the war that's going on right now. That's absolutely and you know, the war that's going on. Let me, let me just say real quick, you know who's winning the war? The people that are winning the war are not even Christian or Islamic. They are the atheists like Albert Pike who said we will release nihilists and atheists into society to bring about a formidable social cataclysm. So when you see the, the, the homosexual agenda, agenda especially with our men, especially with our men, you're taking the people who are already weak-minded, who are already right. weak-minded, and you are implementing the rule of Alistair Crowley, which says, do as thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. This thing is so multifaceted that, in a way, beloved, real talk, but it's yeah. going to come a time where Islam and Christianity in this nation are going to have to band together to get rid of some of the sin that's going on. I know that may sound crazy, but, it, you know, it's, it's just an assessment that I have. I'm not saying it needs to happen or will happen, but I believe right. that it will happen because it, the things that are going on right now is out of control. I don't think there's ever been a people that live the way people live in these United States on the planet. A, 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 cu a couple things. I want to mm -hmm. I want to read this this one last sentence before before I, I tap into um, touching on what you were just talking about. Uh, okay, another key part of this particular article was quote with the stroke of a pen, Plecker could write an individual into Negro status and legal and social oblivion unquote. I'm wow. going to repeat that just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> this article says, with the stroke of a pen, Plecker could write an individual into Negro status and legal and social oblivion, unquote. Wow. With the stroke of a pen. And see, checkmates what you can get on that. Go ahead, go ahead. This is what, you know, I, I was just going to say more. This is what I, I mean when I tell people the pen is so much mightier than the sword. There's a book called Jews and Muslims in British Colonial America, a genealogical history by Donald Neil Yates, page 148. And it is speaking about who were defined as white Christian or white Christian males according to an act in South Carolina of 1721. It says this defines a voter as a free, white, 
Christian male, 21 years of age, who owned 50 acres of land or paid 20 shillings currency. Today, that would be $25.50 in taxes and had lived in South Carolina at least one year. The result of such a law would be to prompt most persons of Jewish or Muslim ancestry to be circumspect about practicing their faiths, to say the least. Now, on the backdrop of what you just said, you write legislation that forces people to abandon or even abdicate, if you will, their religious preference just so they could own parcels of land and, and, and cast votes and things of that nature so that they can be well represented. Right. It was always right. with the pen. And this is why it's so important that we involve ourselves heavily in this political game. They're waiting for us. Right. They're waiting for Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and the same thing, the same way and method that they enslaved you is the same method that you can do to get up mm-hmm. out of it. It does take physical. It does take military. It also takes mm-hmm. legal. It also takes spiritual. It takes that's the same right. conditions of what they used to trick you in order to free yourself. And that's the that's most right. important thing. We have to multitask. We can't just that's spend right. too much time debating and not working on our economics. We have to cover that's the right. full gamut. We have to pool our resources. We have to find out who our leaders are. When I say leaders, I'm saying the people who speak mm-hmm. for us, who represent That's us. Right. If I say, right. Lord, I feel Lord Abba, I have to go support Lord Abba. I have to That's say, right. listen, I want you to represent me, and I trust right. you. You've earned my trust. I've seen you on the battlefield. I've seen right. how you deal with this person and that person and this That's enemy right. and that enemy, and I think that you speak for me, and I'm going to support you. This is the kind of mindset that we have to have in order to support our leadership. If not, it's going to be no wonder why the federal government is paying Al Sharpton to come in and lead the charge. Because (laughs) he starts our energy. Every time our energy is on a grassroots level, he comes in, he swoops (laughs) and gets behind the microphone, cozies Mm -hmm. up to the family, takes charge Mm -hmm. of the situation. Next thing you know, it's the Al Sharpton show, Negro Business as Usual. So if you have your own representation that you feel comfortable with, then you go and support that. You go That's support right. the Morristown Temple of America. You support whoever your, your leader is that's representing you, but you have to get active. And our babies are relying on you in order to do that because our families right. have to be successful. That's right. At the event, that I was invited to speak at in March, where I first met the brother Uncle at, at, at Nazi mm-hmm. Spot down here in Atlanta. I said, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all already know my position is the most adverse position here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not black. <laughs> I said, but I said, but all of you here know that, and I'm going to use your terminology that the Moors are black. Am I correct? Would y'all, everybody in this room say that the Moors were black? Everybody said yes. I said, well, we have the Moorish American Party. I said, you could keep your religious affiliation, keep your school of thought, but at some point in time, we have to understand where the seat of power is at in this nation. And this was one of the things that Noble Drew Ali came to demonstrate like nobody else. The only other person 
that really demonstrated that degree was Father Divine. He had them European politicians kissing his butt, period. Sure. Noble Drew Ali sure. did the same thing. Like, they don't, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Will Smith at the end of I Am, I Am Legend. Like, I got the cure, look. <laughs> and they just right. trying to get right. it. I ain't trying to hear that. <laughs> but you, 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 you but see, you, you, you don't, you didn't, you didn't really study Booker T. Washington, did you? Not too, too tough. You know, you read about it growing I know. up. I know you older, did. You would have made that statement. You would, you would have made that statement if you did. Booker T. Washington. <laughs> this is, this is a quote from the president of the United States. Booker mm-hmm. T. Washington is the most powerful Negro in America. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he has that kind of juice. He had presidents mm-hmm. on speed dial, like, holla at me. That's <laughs> you know right. What That's what's up. And he That's inspired Marcus Garvey to come to America to come and meet him. So That's what's up. And, and he used the the uh, National Guard for his military, mm-hmm. which is where the idea of the FOI came from. Wow. He had, he had mili- wow. a military setup, and then the <laughs> FOI followed the pattern that was set up. By Booker T. Washington, so that that he's a, he had a very very powerful uh, a movement that was going on, you know. But again, he made enemies, and one of those key enemies was W. E. B. Du Bois, you know. So, so Du Bois was a major enemy of Booker T. Washington, and then when Booker T. had died, that's how Marcus Garvey became an opposition of book uh, uh, of W. E. B. Du Bois. He adopted the okay. same enemy. Okay. You know? Uh, yeah, by studying Booker T, you'll, you'll learn a lot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you I know, I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Don't sleep on him. Um, mm-hmm. up, for, up from slavery. Read Up from Slavery. Very popular. Okay, book. definitely. Um, uh, I, I, was, I spent uh, 10 days in uh, mm-hmm. Rhode Island in, in, the, in the Boston area, Martha's Vineyard, um, this summer. Um, actually, early August, late July, early August. And I was doing a lot of research on that whole Massachusetts history. One of the people mm-hmm. that I had met, I was at the Providence uh, Hospital, and one mm-hmm. of the people I had met, uh, he spoke nothing but uh, uh, Portuguese, Creole. Mm-hmm. He spoke mm-hmm. Creole, Creole Portuguese. And uh, they had to find somebody who at least spoke Spanish so that they could talk to him because he couldn't understand any English. Mm-hmm. Um, but when his uh, wife it came, I was talking to his wife, and I was like, he speaks Portuguese like Spanish. I was like, mm-hmm. like y'all from Portugal, or like how do y'all like you know why does he speak, why does he speak like English, you know? And mm-hmm. she's like, no, we've we've been here for. I mean, she said they've been there for hundreds of years. Wow. And all he spoke was Portuguese Creole, and it took wow. me to a book that I have called The Portuguese Making of America. Mm-hmm. And that's a real, real powerful book. But in a part of my research of just going back into that history, because you got to understand where the Puritans and the Pilgrims and all the history came that's from. Right. That's right. Uh, in your study, have you ever come across the Massachusetts Bay Company at all? I, I, that the sounds Mass- very, very familiar because I've done some in-depth research on Massachusetts because the people right. that enslaved my family back in the days came from England through Massachusetts, and from Massachusetts came to South Carolina and founded the town of Dorchester, where my people right. were enslaved in South Carolina. <laughs> so right, I think right. I have come across, yeah. Right, right. When you're studying their way history and stuff, I'm sure you, you, you mm-hmm, come across right. some of that type of information. Mm-hmm. So what, what happens is 
the Massachusetts Bay Company was set up. That's the company. People people don't realize where the connection comes from between America and England in that legal mm-hmm. sense. There was a charter that was set up from England, mm-hmm. and that and the Massachusetts Bay. We're talking about a, a co- corporation here. This is called <laughs> the Massachusetts Bay Company. Mm-hmm. So this, this this Massachusetts Bay Company was set up under a charter of England in order to say, I'm giving y'all permission to get down. You are now a nation, and I'm recognizing you. So people understand why you have York, England, and then you have New York. And then you have England, and then you have New England. Mm-hmm. And then you have, you know, all these different places, and then you have the That's new right. version over here. So That's you have right. to study the Massachusetts. The Bay Company. I'm posting it up in the chat room for the people oh, that man. can get the information. Check but, uh, but what what it says is that the Massachusetts Bay Company was a joint stock trading company chartered by the English Crown in 1629 to colonize a vast area in New England, extending from three miles to the Merrick River to three miles of the Charles River. It was quickly taken over by a group of Puritans under the leadership of John Winthrop who wished to establish a religious community in the New World. The first colonialist from England in 1630 and established the Massachusetts Bay Company with its center in Boston. They were soon joined by other settlers, almost all Puritan. By 1640, 20,000 of them had settled in Boston and neighboring towns, and the colony was a thriving success. So again, that Massachusetts Bay Company was run by John Winthrop. Mm. People have to um, understand I've heard that name before. Absolutely. People mm-hmm. have to study the importance of John Winthrop because John mm-hmm. Winthrop was the person that was they were waging war on the Pequot Indians. Mm-hmm. And the Pequot Indians are the Indians that run the Fox the 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 uh, the, the the casino um in Foxwoods Casino in Connecticut. Mm. Mm. I've been there uh, too. Actually, Donald Trump, Donald Trump calls them the Michael Jordan Indians because they're so black. Mm. So he mocks them and calls them. Yeah, absolutely. He calls them the Michael Jordan Indians. But why do they look so black? That's the question you have to ask. Why did mm-hmm. Pequot Indians that, that run this huge casino mm-hmm. in New England area, mm-hmm. why are they black? Mm-hmm. And, and who is this John Winthrop? that established the Massachusetts Bay Company with the charter from England. Well, we're going to have give you another honor Rothschild moment as I'm posting it up for you to study mm-hmm. later on. Oh, yeah, and I'm definitely going to check it, all of it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it says here, now, again, these aren't my words. These are John Winthrop's words, the one who set up the Massachusetts Bay Company that I just told you about. The book is mm-hmm. called The Collection of Massachusetts Historical Society. This is directly from the Massachusetts Record. The Collection of Massachusetts Historical Society. And this is on page number 65. A war with the Narragansett, that's a set of Indians, a war with the Narragansett is very considerable to this plantation. I, whether it not be with sin or with hauling power in our hands, suffer them with maintaining the worship of the devil and the Paul Wars, now it says, Lord should deliver them into our hands. We might easily have men, women, and children enough to exchange for more, which would oh. be gatefully pillaged 
and for we can see, for I do not see, we can thrive until we get stock of slaves sufficient to do our business. Wow. And later on down here says, and I suppose you know very well, we shall maintain 20 mores cheaper than one English servant. Wow. The ships and all shall bring mores when they come home, laden with salt, which may bear most of the charge, if not. So this is a man who's of the Massachusetts Bay Company. Mm-hmm. He said that they have to engage in war with the Narragansett. Why mm-hmm. do they have to do that? Because when you study the history, this is that Thanksgiving we're talking about. When you're talking mm-hmm. about when they were at war with the Narragansett and the Pequot Indians, they would capture the Indians in war. And in capturing the Indians in war, at first they tried to enslave them. But these Indians knew the territory so well they would escape. Yeah, sure. So they would take these slaves and take them to Bermuda and then exchange them for more. <laughs> this is from their own records. They're, they're telling you who they were. They didn't say Negroes. Right. They didn't say That's Africans. Right. They didn't That's say right. Kemet. They said more. <laughs> this is in the 1630s. It's such That's a right. This nation was established until 1776. This is way That's before right. that. That's right. So they exchanged these Indians mm-hmm. for Moors. And if you wonder why these Michael Jordan Indians are running the casino, now you understand why. These are the same tribe. These That's are so Moors. Profound. So profound. There's a book called A Bridge to Light by uh, Kathleen St. Ange. And in this book, she's speaking about Islam. It's called a bridge to light, spiritual wayfaring in Islam. And it speaks about Islam over here in America. It speaks about uh, a man, a Berber, called Azinmori, who was the first, uh, first person to go from the east coast of the United States to the west coast, to, to travel cross-country. And if you yeah. look at the uh, records of uh, South Carolina, I believe that's the 1841 laws of South Carolina, it says Negroes shall, I mean, excuse me, the, the, the term Negro shall be confined to slave Africans. And then it has Berbers in parentheses. Well, if you go into the etymology of the word more, it, it says more, and then it, it says more. Then it gives you the definition. It says North African, comma, Berber. To let you know that North African is a, another name for more, and Berber is another name for more. So that fits in with, with exactly what you're talking about. But one of the things that she said that was so interesting that I never looked into any deeper, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm going to, is she said that the Sultan, the same Sultan that signed the Treaty of Peace and Friendship in 1786, brokered mm-hmm. a treaty between the United the colonies here in the United States. And right. as a matter of fact, I, it probably wasn't the colonies. They may have formed themselves a nation, the United States of America at that time, and the Cherokee mm-hmm. Indians. I'm like, this is yes. interesting. Because right. you, now you start linking what you just said with these Indian tribes, right. with these Moors, you have a, a group of, uh, Indians in Delaware who call themselves the Moors, you know, they're not Absolutely. ethnically the same people, but they call themselves the Moors. They, they call themselves Moors. Where did they get that Absolutely. name from? Uh, 
she notes that in um, the early 1600s that a ship of English settlers came and they landed in, in North Carolina. And when the Englishmen got out, there were men, bearded men, who dropped to their knees prostrating, and uh, they were proficient at iron smelting, and they called themselves Moors. So all of these different things interrelate. And I just want to touch on something you Absolutely. said real quick earlier. When you spoke yeah. about the, the company, right? Uh, right. The, what's the Massachusetts Bay Company? Massachusetts Bay Company, yes. Okay. Now, like, this is one of the things that people, they just don't get. What A company is, mm-hmm. is basically a corporation, and a corporation Absolutely. is a group of people that come together for the same purpose and the same cause. King James the first, the, the same King James of the Bible, he commissioned the the, the uh, Plymouth Company or the, and the Virginia Company to come over here. And they these two particular companies had their land. You had the British East India Company. You had the British West India Company. This thing was always all about business. This was always Absolutely. all about business. And they were sending companies. Now, look at what the prophet does. Right? He says the Morris Science Temple of, the, of America derives its power and authority from the great Quran of Mecca. So now we have our moral code and our moral law in the same way that the Christians had theirs. So what right. were their companies? Now we got the Morris Science Temple of America as an actual company, an actual Correct. corporation. People, right. <laughs> you know, sometimes <laughs> it'd be so hard. Because I'd be like, why won't they just listen? If they listen, they'll get it. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. See exactly what the man did and understand what he set up them 15 temples. This was akin to the very companies that you just named and I just named setting their uh, respective companies up on certain geographical locations. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and like I I stated on it, the Massachusetts Bay Company was a stock company. Part of my, mm-hmm. my college right. degree is in Native American studies, and they explained to me why they even use that term stock. It's because you mm-hmm. have to buy a certain area of the ship. So you would mm-hmm. buy this, we'll say, 15 uh, blocks, this stock part of the ship, and that would be That's what you would use to be able to ship your goods from America back to England and then from England That's back to right. America. And then we use the terms like another term for money is what? Bucks. Right? That's right. So That's right. when we used to do our trading with the Native Americans, we'll say the Cherokees or with the, the Muscogee Creeks or whatever, they would say, okay, here is a, a gun because you need the metal. Here's some metal mm-hmm. for you, and you give me these deer skins, the buck mm-hmm. skins. So this would cost you 10 bucks, and this would be uh, 20 bucks, <laughs> and this is 5 bucks, and this is where the term bucks come from. So this is all about commerce and trade, and we were all all put into this as commerce and trade, but we have to understand our status when this was taking place because there was a chronological order of when you were being erased. Mm -hmm. That's why we have to mention to the listening audience about what Plecker was doing. Your Mm -hmm. status has been erased from you, and we've identified the name of the people who've been doing it to you. We've been identifying when your nationality and when your identity has been stripped from you and what you were before that. So this is what we're trying to bring you back into. This is what Lord Abba is trying to bring you back into, your true identity, to understand that your black status is a slave status 
and that your white status is legally a free status. It has nothing to do with skin color. It does. It has nothing to do with skin color. Like that's the hardest part. Let me, yo. I was on a bus, right? And I, I do this experiment right. all the time. I was coming from one of Wesley Muhammad's lectures. Uh, I think it was last year, two years ago in Atlanta. And this brother right. seen me with my fez on, and uh, you know we we're, were on the back of the Greyhound, and he said, "You're a Moor." I looked back. I was like, "What you know about the Moors?" And he started telling me about his people, this and that. So it was this brother on the bus. And he was uh-huh. a blood, blood from New Jersey. Yeah, you, 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 you could tell the leaders of the gangs because they're always intelligent. They're not the ignorant little dudes that's running around. So he was like, hey, yo, right. man, what, what, what's some more? And I'm about to get into this, all this deep history, and I caught myself. I said, wait a minute. I took my black cell phone, put it in my hand. I said, let me ask you a question, fam. I said, what color am I? He was like, you black. I said, I'm black. He said, yeah, you black. I put the cell phone next to my arm. I said, and I'm going to ask you that question again. And he started chuckling before I asked the question. I said, what color am I? He said, you're brown. I said, but what made you call me black? And he froze. Right. He didn't know what to say. He was like, I mean, you know, we just used to calling ourselves, you know, black right. people. And I said, now right. let me tell you where the more is. And I went to, man, by the time we got off the bus, my stop came in Athens. They was, you know, going to where they were going. I was just coming yeah. from Atlanta. Yo, the dude right. jumped up. He threw the blood sign in the salute. He said, I salute you, big homie. I salute you. <laughs> like, because I broke it. I mean, I broke it down to him in a way that a baby right. could understand. And before my stop came, I said, I could come to the hood and poly with you right. and the homies and then go sit with Obama and chop it up real lovely like. And he, yo, he was just, but that's what it, it was so simple. Like, what right. we're talking about and once the person right. opens up to it and they allow themselves to listen, it's so simple. I think we could have all the back debates at another time. If we could just listen right. to each other, just just listen. So I never stop cutting my <laughs> videos and I do the interviews and play my <laughs> full wisdom. <laughs> cutting your wisdom up, up, right? You know, cutting my wisdom off. Right That's what it takes. It takes an individual to be receptive. You have to be mm. in the right frame of mind and in the right spirit to be fair and receptive. If a person That's is right. fair and receptive, I have absolutely no doubt we'll find common ground. I cannot Indeed. be arrogant enough to say that I can convert anyone or revert anyone into my thinking. I don't even want to do that. There's no compulsion to Islam. There's no compulsion to you uh, reclaiming more than what you are. But if you're an honest person, you will bear witness to the truth because naturally That's you're right. inclined to the truth. And I'm rooted right. in telling you the truth. So if you are honest with yourself, you'll be able to say, man, that, that do make a lot of sense. You know, and, and that's, that's the vibe that I contact so many people in. I don't try to convert right. nobody. I don't impose my views on nobody. I try to let people know I represent what mm-hmm. I represent and it works for me. Now, if mm-hmm. you like mm-hmm. the way that I live, I like the way that I live. I drive nice, I live good, eat good, good sound Mm -hmm. mind, good sound spirit. I'm comfortable with myself. If you can find comfort within yourself, then I'll support you in that. That's right. That's right. You have to be honest with me. I don't I don't mess around with cats who who, you know, rooted in (laughs) falsehood and always just looking for trouble and and, and, and can't be honest. That's sick character to me. 
Just be mm-hmm. honest. Just be real. And that's why I said earlier in the show, one of the first things that I I said I was set to, I wanted to set out to do was get people to trust me because a person that's dishonest knows that they're dishonest. They'll tell you that right. I signed up with, with five links with this dude from off my friends list. He'd be all over there, uh, you know, whenever they're doing promotions and he's getting the cars and stuff. So I give him my little right. $300. So he makes all of these promises to me. So he invites me on to one of his little seminars, online right. seminars. So I went on a seminar. And then he says, you know, even if you have to be a little deceptive, a little dishonest to get people to sign up, Man, I said that was my last three dollars. I mean, three hundred dollars. And this dude, told right. me that means he just deceived, and he never came to my part of Georgia to build with me. I don't like that. Right, right, that, exactly. The old, the old right. me, the old me would have got mine back with some interest. Yep, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It, it's why it's why keeps us in a very, you know what I mean. A lot of a lot Indeed. of cats are lucky, man. A lot of cats are very yeah. lucky. Um, well. the calling number is seven one three nine five five zero three four three. That's seven one three nine five five zero three four three. Just hit one if you'd like to come in and ask any questions. We do have a lot of people that are like on standby, but if y'all like to come through, just hit one on your phone. We'll open up your line and you can ask any questions that you like. Um, we are want to also thank, of course, the listeners for taking time to listen to the show. Um, and, and if you do have any questions, like I said, just hit one, and we'll bring you right in, and you can ask your questions to uh, Lord Abba. Um, Abba is also a, a very key person in history uh, mm-hmm. by the name of uh, Juan Garrido. And uh, Juan Garrido, the question mm-hmm. is asked, was Juan Garrido the first African-American? Mm. And uh, that's a very, very important question to ask because once you study who Juan Garrido is, um, again, it's, it's posted up in the chat room, and it's, it's oh, I'm, well, I'm not only posting it. Uh-huh, yeah, I'm not only posting. No, it let me just say, room, let me just say, let me just say yes, to sir. the to the audience, like when I come build with a brother like Ish, I'm also coming as a student because I respect this brother's scholarship, and I just want everybody out there. So we've had our battles over the years. I think I had them blocked for about a year. <laughs> you know right, 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 right. You know, right. We, 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 we too real at the end of the day. And, you know, I, and I just want everybody else to know that I respect this brother's scholarship. And when I come on a show like this, whether it's his show or the Amin Ross Squad show, I am also coming to learn. So the education that he, you know, that he's given by putting those links in the chat room is an education for me as well. At the end of the day, to be an effective teacher, you must be an effective student. So I want to give honors to you, Brother Ish. I, I, I'm humble, brother, and thank you so much. And, and is you know, we're taught in the African tradition of being and becoming. So I'm not mm-hmm. only, you know, quote, unquote, being a, a teacher, I'm becoming mm-hmm. a better student. So I learn from you also. Mm-hmm. You understand, honest, and that's honest. always that's always the, that's always the truest gift of of giving and, and taking, learning and elevating one another. So one is never you know too big to always be in the teacher mode. I'm in humble student mm-hmm. mode when I'm in your presence, brother. Oh, honest, honest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, so Juan Garrido, um, if you notice uh, those, uh, I'm not, not only posting this in the chat room, but I'm posting it in NAR History and Science as well as the Amarasquad Scholarship Forum, so you can get the information there also. But he's a jet black individual, uh, 
and it says here, like many of you, I was always told the first Africans to arrive in what is now the United States were 20 and odd Africans who arrived as slaves as Jamestown, Virginia, from what is now um, from what is now the country of Angola in 1619. But this turns out not to be true. As a matter of fact, Africans arrived in North America more than a century before, before the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock, before the Angolans arrived in Virginia. What's more is the identity of the first documented African to arrive. His name was Juan Garrido. And more astonishing, he wasn't even a slave. Next year will be the 500th anniversary of his arrival in Florida, and the state plans to commemorate this remarkable event. So Florida recognized this free Moor who arrived with the Spaniards. He was not a slave. He was a free Moor, Juan Garrido. When you look at the picture of him, he's a jet black individual. It says that Juan Garrido was born in West Africa. I'll repeat that. Not born in Spain. Not born, he was born in West Africa around 1480, according to the historians Ricardo Algira and Jane Landon. Garrido's notarized Provenza, his curriculum dated 1538, says he moved from Africa to Lisbon, Portugal, of his own volition as a free man. Stayed mm-hmm. in Spain for seven years and then seeking his fortune, perhaps a bit of fame, he joined the earliest conquistadors in the New World all sworn uh, document affirmed that Garrido was oro or free when he arrived in Spain. So he arrived in Spain, and then he came to Florida. If you study mm-hmm. his history, you, you start to understand that the status that he was coming in as an African in Spain was that of mm-hmm. a, as a free form. So studying Juan Garrido, just understanding that we have a far greater history and that 100-year missing history of the Spaniards, people need mm-hmm. to understand that President Andrew Jackson, yes, that President Andrew Jackson was a sworn citizen of Spain. He took him wow. to the country of Spain. He was a Spanish citizen. People don't understand that. People don't know that. But he took a sworn oath to the nation of Spain. Why is it that Spain is, a, is you know, these are the people who established Florida. These are people who established all of this, all of this history that we don't even talk about. You know what I mean? So we need to understand that Spanish history and how the black people, because they financed the Seminole Indians and these Africans when they were fighting against the U.S. Army. The Seminole Nation was never conquered by the U.S. Army. They fought the U.S. Army for over a decade. They never lost the war. They never signed a treaty of of, of law. So these Seminole Indians. Yes, yes, sir. No, I, I'm sorry for cutting your, your wisdom. I just no. that so amazing that that history that you're right. bringing up because it, I, I, the, the treaty of peace and friendship. Right. Now, when they, it's been so so long. You know, I used to just study that thing religiously, but if right. I'm not mistaken, there when there was any need for any monetary compensation according to the treaty. They were mm-hmm. asking for the, Span- the Spanish dollars that, right. man, it was so long ago, I just can't remember if it was the Mexican uh, form of currency that actually came out of Spain or if it was mm-hmm. just the Spain currency itself. 
But I, I just want to touch on something real quick because yes, this was, you, you brought up something that was profound, and I was digging up. I asked my mother years ago when I first heard anything about this. I wasn't even in to the Moorish anything. I just started hearing about it, and there was a connection down south with the Moors, and I asked my mother, did she know anything about the Moors? And she was like, yeah, Bessie, which is my grandmother, may you know, Allah bless her soul, she passed in 95. She said, Bessie used to say that we were Moors from South Carolina. My mother said, I, didn't, I never really knew what she meant by that. I, when I was young, I used to just think it was another last name. Now, I right. came across this book called History of the Conquest of Spain by the Arab Moors, Volume 2, that was published in 1881. The author's name is Henry Copey, C-O-P-P-E-E. He says, Mm -hmm. when the Moors were driven out, thousands took refuge in the south of France, who, abhorring the Roman Catholic persecutions, became Huguenots, and that of these many immigrated at a later date to South Carolina. So you, according to this, and I I think I found one cross-reference. The cross-reference wasn't solid. So I was always reluctant in the way and how I put this out there because the cross-reference was on some 100,000 Moors uh, fled, and they went to France, and then that many, because he said that. He said, and that of these many immigrated at a later date to South Carolina. And this fit into mm-hmm. so many different narratives. What you look at, okay, the Roman Catholic persecutions, well, we know what that is. That's the Inquisition. So right. you're looking at maybe early 1500s that these Moors, according to this source, and like I said, I was able to corroborate it, but that source was so weak that I never use it. So, yes. but, I mean, he says that thousands of these Moors immigrated from France to South Carolina. Remember I cited the woman um, uh, earlier, Kathleen St. Ange, who wrote the book uh, Bridge to Light, Spiritual Wearing in Islam, where this, uh, the, the English came over here and right. the English explorers in 1600s, the early 1650s if I'm not mistaken, and they said the men that they encountered in North Carolina, were bearded mm-hmm. men. And you go back, right. you brought up the Seminoles, that the, who right. was fighting in the Seminole War? With the Gullah, the Geechee, which my family Absolutely. also, I mean, all of this stuff ties in, and this is what I mean where a lot of us need to be, like, really pulling this stuff together because then the whole mosaic can be formed in the picture will be very clear, very clear. Well, Brother Abba, you do know where the first American capital is, right? Oh, if, if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. That's what people think, brother. The first American capital is in South Carolina. Whoa. That's now, 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 I posted the link mm-hmm. up in the chat room. It's also posted in the other forum. I'm going to read it to you. Now this is from this is this see this is why modern times is so important. This is from mm-hmm. July nineteenth, two thousand fourteen. Again, July nineteenth, two thousand fourteen. 
<laughs> Columbia, South Carolina. The English settlement of Jamestown may be dubbed America's birthplace, but North America's first colonial capital was actually established four decades earlier, 400 miles away in South Carolina. Wow. A nonprofit is working to give the Spanish town, again, Spanish town of Santa Elena, its proper due and resume archaeological digs at a site located within the Marine Corps depot on Paris Island. Mm. People know where Paris Island is because that's where the Marines are, thereby that's attracting right. tourists to the area. The effort corresponding to the federal hold on one second, to the Okay, to the federal initiative to highlight Hispanic and Latino heritage, the National Park Service plans to release a curriculum this fall on Santa Elena for middle and high school teachers. Spain has offered to provide software documents and other artifacts to help tell the town's story as part of an agreement with the U.S. sign with Spain last year as an initiative. So it's in South Carolina that was the first American capital. That's deep. That is, I mean, as you're reading that, of course, you know, you get so many different sources that you read and it pops in your head. You're relating certain instances to sources that you had. That is, right. you look in South Carolina, right? right. There's a, a link up, and, and I may have, I'm not sure, I may have actually gotten that link from you some time ago, but it's called the Free Moors and Turks of South Carolina. Right. One of the things right, right. that that is highlighted in this particular mm-hmm. article is these mm-hmm. these Moors and these Jews. Well, what type of Jews were they? They were Sephardic Jews, and where were the Sephardic yeah. Jews? Where did they come from? They came from Spain. Absolutely. It's very. Oh, that's very very interesting. And this is what Absolutely. I mean when I say these pieces of the puzzle they have to be brought together because. You just hit me with some. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's why you have to understand that because later on in that mm-hmm. article, it gives you the whole background of that. You know what I mean? It states that mm-hmm. New Spain was given a colonial rights of America in 1494 by a Spanish Catholic, Catholic pope. The Port Royal mm-hmm. Sound was where the treasure ships caught the trade winds back to Europe. And, Fran- and French managed to settle Paris Island first. That's that French you was talking about. The French mm-hmm. settled that's Paris right. Island first in 1562, but the French abandoned Charles Fort within a year. Spain established Santa Elena on top of the remains in 1566, and it served in the Spanish capital until 1576 when colonists fled a Native American attack. That's when St. Augustine, Florida became the Spanish capital. Though colonists returned to Santa Elena later in the year, abandoned it for good in 1587. So that whole history is there. Brother, I mean, so we, I mean, we're, we're going to wrap this up real tight, but I'm going to take a call right quick. I'm going okay, to take exactly. this call in so we can kind of, you know, change up the vibe. And Eric, call 813, you are on the air. 813, you're on the air. Thank you for calling more than words. Peace. Hey, peace, everyone. Um, my name's Tima. I have a question for Lord Abba. Um, yes, Queen. You mentioned that. Um, talking about the Berbers and things of that nature. Now, I've been to North Africa. I've been to Casablanca. I've met Berbers. And some Berbers that I've, I've met, you can't even understand. They speak their own language, and they're very close in, in, in their community. Like, they don't mm-hmm. go out and venture out and deal with other people because they're very, mm-hmm. you know, into their culture. Mm-hmm. 
but I say that to mean, you know, like you, I mean, I met Berbers and things of that nature. They have never heard of more. They've never even heard of anything that, you know, the people in America and, and mm-hmm. North America speak of. They know mm-hmm. nothing about that. And this is in Africa and this is their culture where mm-hmm. supposedly the Moors come from. They mm-hmm. know nothing of that. I have pictures on my Facebook page. Um, you can see me hanging out with the Berbers. Mm-hmm. They don't know nothing about no more. So I, 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 will, I will point this out, sister. Um, what's very crucial is when you're studying the the between the 14s through the 1800s, you have classifications of Moors. Basically, your line of demarcation was the Senegal River. If you're from the Senegal River and north, you are considered Moor. And if you are from the Senegal River south, you were considered Negro. And that's how you were classified in your status of slavery by the Portuguese. So really, by default, even if they didn't self-identify as more, although you do find uh, Mauritania, Morocco, in that area of that north area, mm-hmm. Berbers are tribal people. So you have some very. Berbers who are actually very, very pale. You'll find other Berbers who are more Arab-looking. you find some Berbers that are very African-looking also. But you find mm-hmm. some Berbers who can't even identify and talk to other Berbers. They're very, mm. they're very close knit and tribal in their cultures. Now, yeah, very close knit. Indeed. Now, yeah, now I was gonna uh, to to actually camelback off of of what the brother is just said. You have so many different tribes that are classified as as Berbers, and Sister Dana Marnici, whom I mentioned earlier, I believe mm. she is the foremost expert in the field on the Berbers. She actually wrote the ethno history of the Berbers and Arabs and the Moors in the book Golden Age of the Moor to show that they were all one people. And the key word is self-identify. When you look at the word Berber, right, Berber is like the word Moor in our etymon. They cannot figure out where the word originates from. And Mm -hmm. it could be from the name of the people. It could be from uh, the uh, what was it? The Greeks that said they didn't understand what these people were saying, so they called it, um, uh, or the Romans they called it Babylon. Yeah, they called it the bar- yeah they called it barbarians. Barbarians. They thank you more. Mm-hmm. Now, when you look at these different tribes, however, and you start to trace who and what a Berber is, you start to go back into East Africa, and you there's a map, a Roman map, right? This this was uh, drawn in the first century A.D. It's called the Roman Periplus. I mean, it's called the Periplus of, uh, my goodness, what is it called? The Periplus of, I think, Africa, uh, done by the Romans in the first century A.D. Now, they list all of these different peoples on this map, all of these different locations, etc. And uh, in East Africa and in the spot along the Nile, Clearly, the word Berber is in there. Now, you have some Berbers, Berber tribes today that are not even aware of their uh, lineage from East Africa. So a lot of things gets lost over time. And it, it is my opinion that 
there were always a core group of intellectuals that kept this knowledge sacred because you have certain people that say that the word Berber can be found on the walls of ancient Egypt as one of the uh, nations that most the third has conquered as well. And Berber and Moor have always been synonymous with each other since we have any recorded history. So maybe they don't self-identify with, with the term more. That doesn't mean that every Berber tribe doesn't, you know, self-identify the same. That's true. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's okay, uh, Queen. I would, just also, I would also say just in the history, you'll also see the term Barbary used to identify mm-hmm. Moors. And that mm-hmm. those Barbary pirates or that Barbary coast right. and that Barbary history is a variation of Berber. So that Barbary history and the Berber history, that's also one and the same of how other people identify them, but not necessarily how they identify themselves. So you're absolutely mm-hmm. right about that. Gotcha. All right. Um, also, too, um, being a Moor, mm-hmm. per se, you know, from what I gather, I've, I've seen some near talk or your debate, you know, mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. From my understanding of being a, a Moor, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know, mm-hmm. but from my understanding, is it a, just a birthright to establish certain freedoms that you can actually have, or what is it that makes people say, okay, you know what, I want to be a Moor so I don't mm-hmm. have to follow certain law-given rules of the United States? That's an excellent, excellent question, sister. And when people ask me the question, I get hit up all of the time. I have the website. Let me plug that in, www.moorishsciencetemple.org. So I get so many inquiries that I answer every day. And one of the main uh, things that people say to me is, I want to be a more. What do I have to do to become a more? And I tell them every time the, the same exact uh, answer, which is you don't become a more. You just become aware that you are a more. You're born a more society, which is basically what this show was, was, was about. It tells us that we're something different. It defines us as something other than who we are for political statuses. But you don't become a more. That is something that you are ethnically. And this is something that I have written several expositions on. And if you hit me in my, on my Facebook page, Abelord, we may even be friends, um, I'll send you a link to a paper that I did so that you can read that in depth. But I want to get to the second part of what you say, and because that's vital as well. There are people that believe that by becoming a more, quote unquote, that they somehow become immune to the laws of the United States of America, yeah. which is just, it's, it's crazy and it has no, no merit. And it, the, the two do not relate. A lot of that information was picked up from sovereign citizen movements that I believe started in the sixties and seventies. And they uh, incorporated a lot of anti-government anarcho. 14th Amendment uh, jargon, if you will, into their discourse with the government officials, et cetera. 
sometime in the early 90s. And, and my, our brother Ish is on the phone. He was very well versed in that time period because he was there when a lot of uh, brothers actually brought that science into New York. And, you know, at that time it was just a, kind of a fad. And I think it's starting to fade now, but uh, being who you are has nothing to do with the laws or, or the law. Yeah, the law is not applying to you. And I'll, I'll end with this. Noble Drew Ali says the Morris Science Temple of America derives its power and authority from the great Quran of Mecca. In the early Hague conventions of the 1930s and 40s, it was determined that the uh, Islamic law, the laws derived from the Quran of Mecca, were recognized as international law. They are recognized as its own autonomous body of law, which is different from every other form of law in the world because most other forms of law are dependent upon the Commonwealth or the Roman slash comparative law system. So ours, if there's something within our religious doctrine that goes against what is being uh, promoted by this Roman slash uh, comparative law system, then our religious laws under the First Amendment take precedence. And we have cases, several cases, from the Morris Science Temple of America to back that up. So that's just something that I wanted to throw out there for those of you that may think that Islam is this bad monster. It's, it's, it's Islam, Islam is what actually protects us. Not just so calling you, guys follow, you guys are under, you're following Islamic lords as being more? I'm a little confused now. Say, say that again? You're following Islamic laws as more, but you're not Islam? I don't know how to say it, but that's how it sounds. Well, I would say I would say that Islam is a is a methodology that Moors follow here, following the example of Noble Drew Ali. The 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 culture of being a Moor predates Islam as a religion. We're we're more ancient than Islam as a religion, but Islam mm-hmm. is the method that we apply in order to seek peace, in order to unify around a universal and a religious. Uh, 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 mantra. So our culture is rooted in Islam, but our culture actually, uh, our identity predates Islam. But we practice peace, we practice law, we practice our own identity, and these are all branches of of what we call Islam. So that's that's where that comes from. Um, I would also say that us being Moors, you know, this is something that Noble Drali himself had to deal with. If you, mm-hmm. if you study his history in the 20s, there were Moors that would go and flash their cards to the police and, and mm-hmm. they would say, you can't arrest me. You know, That's so this right. Is always, you know, we're a people who have not had power. We're a people That's who right. do not have an identity and a culture. So when you get that new syndrome, you want to go and, and challenge the whole world with it. Right. So Moors mm-hmm. would, would, would go and push a police officer and then flash a card in front of their face. And, That's right. um, and and Lord Alpha can give you the words of what Noah Jarley told the Moors to do. Stop, uh, stop flashing your cards at European. It causes confusion. Your nationality causes for your salvation. That's exactly what he told them because 
of one of the books that I read, and they were drawing from contemporary sources at the time. It said the Moors, yo, they were so mean. He said that their feathers and their nationality cards made them believe that they had superpowers. There was a shootout <laughs> between the Moors. No, that's serious, sis. That's what it, that's what it said. Yo, there was a shootout between the, the cops and some Moorish Americans, and a, a couple of cops got killed. And the police, oh, wow. uh, yeah, the police captain came in there, and, you know, they when they was inter- being interviewed in the newspaper, the cops said, Man, I thought Al Capone's men were up in there. <laughs> the right, Moors, right. they were, they just had this. What brother Ish hit it right on the head. We never really had power, so when it was given to us, we, you know, we wanted to flex our muscles. It's, it's just like, just like me. You thought you belong. Yeah, that's right. right. Just like me. Once I got, right. once I got a little bit of knowledge, I just wanted to go out and debate everybody. <laughs> right. 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 Oh my goodness! That's just is you know the the sovereignty thing. That's just an extension of something that we've always been battling, Queen. You know, mm-hmm. but we certainly that's do. Right. Thank you for your call and your line will will remain open. We're just going to get one more caller in, but thank you so much for absolutely, your question. All right. Absolutely. Yes, thank you, beloved. Uh, Eric Cole four one four. You're on the air. Thank you for waiting. You're very welcome. Peace and greetings. Peace and blessings. Peace and greetings, family. Thank you. My name is Elijah say, and I think this right here, it, first of all, let me state this. It is one thing to teach, tell men and women exactly what you're doing, which is educating them. But it's another thing for them to understand, understand and overstand that what you give to them is not to accuse. It's to edify and lift up fallen humanity. And these are the teachings and the processes that uh, Prophet Noble Drew Ali stated would come to pass. And these issues and things that you discuss are not debatable. They've never been debatable. That which is true is not debatable. That which is a lie becomes a fact to make a case, and that can be debated based on general theologies or grammarizations or whatever type of epistemology that a man or woman chooses to use to oversee anyone and so when you know what the root of is in the stem of whom you are it does not make a difference what you are labeled and your labels come from zoology nomenclature it's called the demon or the demonic program which is an iso program that was created to adapt to this century and so the thing is is that when you teach men and women you're no longer accusing And when you don't accuse men and women of anything on this planet that they have become used to calling their home, then you make them feel comfortable, and you never accuse a guest in your house. And I just wanted to share that with you. Definitely wise words. Absolutely. Very, very wise words indeed, brother. And this is another part that, that, that for those that listen and have no clue as to what questions should I present and um, uh, these, these young Moors and these older Moors and the splits between the Moors and everything that goes on in, the, in, in this nation of ours, not just here in, in, in what they call America, which is not America, and, and not which they call Africa, which is not Africa. 
just because it was named by separatist Africanus does not mean that it is what they have called it because of conquest. It is what we said it was in the Genesis, and it still is, and it hasn't changed. We are infinite, though things are finite, they pass away. And so the thing is, is that this is what I want to call it and just kind of read this to you guys. I am yes, a, and that word a is negative. There's a negative sign there. When you put negative, that's who you are. When you when you realize when they realize what that negative a represents, then a lot of what they deal with in the physical illusions will uh, basically dissipate, as noble, Prophet Noble Jurali said, and it would be paid in compound interest. And that right there is rare to hear a prophet give something not only relating to the spiritual of a man or woman but also to the finances of a man or woman. And so that's very rare for a prophet because normally they stay totally in the spirit, but to balance out the things that need to be balanced, that was what you call a gift. And so that comes through a process which in, 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 in their system of what's called narcissism, it's called um, basically stress nucleus. So if you study physics or you study nuclear fusion or atoms and things of nature right there, you'd be very familiar with the word stress nucleus. And so basically that's what happens to men and women. And once they get to the etymology of that word, they'll see where their treasure is in the, in the physical realm that they've manifested that has been hidden from them. But I want to read this right here, and that's what that A is in reference to. And so I am, yes. I am a Afro-Asiatic Moorish American, Sufi ritual, ritual, not ritual, ritual, I'm stemmed, I'm epistemmed in this, scientists, descendant West and East Africa. I call the word Africa very loosely, but when you put the descent West and East Africa, is based upon where I'm at right now, meaning that I am what you call air aggregate to an estate. And so because of that, I become what's called a master from the Royal Council of the Silent Brotherhood, in consciousness of holy breath. And so when you're in consciousness of holy breath, the breath is connected to that which is conscious, that which is silent, and the beginning of the royal council. And when you're with that right there, now you're in total spirit with God. And you become what's called Allah's holy oracle. And as you become God's holy oracle, you become OA negative. And that right there is the answer to your spiritual and your illusions in the physical that have not been answered yet. And so really all it is is, is balancing the two and not putting energy. When you came into to, to Islam, when you came into reading the Holy Quran, when you came into every principle, elemental that was left here, based upon the 42 laws of Mayat that was left, that is a derivative of many more laws that were left, that most men and women have not figured out those clues. Not everything was written on paper because, as they stated, a picture's worth a thousand words. You have to know how to read more than one language, and it's not just the verbalizations that you hear or the vibrational levels to get from one plane to the next. You have to be able to use your eyes. That's the reason why the sun, as you look up on it, is not to be glorified and honored as God but it's to be looked at as the closest thing that you have when you want to look upon the face of God that, or the eyes of God or the eye of God. This is the gift that was left here for you, and the more you look upon it, the more that it will be revealed to you what it is that's missing inside of your spirit, and that DNA, as they call it, will be activated. 
And so when men and women get to the root of what they really want, is, which is the truth, it's so simple to do. It's not about believing. It's not about um, I have all this faith that I need to build up. It's those elemental principles, too, very, very simply, too. It's called wisdom, and it's called love. And when a man or a woman shows wisdom, and the edification for wisdom, wisdom applies to oneself, first of all, and love applies to oneself, first of all. And when you apply wisdom and love equally to yourself, you're going to supply that to everyone. This is your cup running over. When you give to others and you become the server, you're serving. Why? Because your cup is running over. It's not because you don't. You just want to get out here and you want to slave labor. No, it's because your cup is running over. So as we, as kings and queens, went from uh, civilization to civilization to bring civilization, our cup, cup runneth over. So we're blessing everyone where we go. It's not that we don't have anything. It's not that we have to take that which is on the land. Or the land, we're already here. We're everywhere. Millions of, not, not hundreds of thousands, millions of years have we been here. Millions upon millions of years. There is not a time that this planet existed that man was not. Man has always been into existence. And every planet in the solar system, we have been here in the beginning of all creation. I'm talking about spirit man. For those that are scientists and you study the DNA structure, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about when I say spirit man and other man. So it's a matter of knowing who you are. And so with we that, certainly I do Islam, brother, and I and I think I think thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I think that's very important because people need to understand that there's a major part of the message of the Prophet Noble Drew Ali's message that is a spiritual and metaphysical, and this has to be balanced out to to not only our spiritual but to the physical of how we interact as Moors. Because you're right, we are scientists. And people have to understand that a lot of the things that are written is in a metaphysical form. The Bible itself, the Quran itself, you, you mentioned Sufism, you know, that, that part of the African spirit that dwells within us. So that metaphysical side has to understand that it has to be manifested in how we conduct ourselves in order to bring us back to ourselves. So I think it's always good that we not only deal with the historical and the modern and the academic but we also tap into that metaphysical side. So I do thank you so much for sharing and espousing that, brother. You're very welcome. Peace, okay, peace, thank brother. You. Peace, peace. Yes, peace and blessings. Um, brother Abba, do you remember the, the, the senator from Alabama that made the Aborigines remark? Oh, no, no. A, oh, man, this is, this is so dope. This is so dope. In, mm-hmm. in the year 2011... Mm-hmm. It was uh, uh, my family's from Alabama, and mm-hmm. there there, uh, there was a, a investigation going on with uh, some casinos down there. So the mm-hmm. FBI had had wiretaps and, and and had people wearing a wire. One of the people wearing a wire was a senator from Alabama, and while this wire was was being recorded, mm-hmm. he goes into this casino in Alabama, and he's looking around, and he sees a whole bunch of, quote-unquote, black people 
in the mm-hmm. casino, and he's calling them aborigines. Like they're they're asking some questions. And he's like, yeah, you know, these are these are the aborigines over here. Interesting. Now, he he once he realized that he was on the federal tax when he was he was being recorded, he was now in a dilemma. How does how does this United States senator explain why he's calling us aborigines? How does he explain that? That's interesting. He, absolutely, he plays dumb. Like like I I don't know what I was thinking. And they're saying, well, what do you mean you don't know what you're thinking? You, you, you're using the term ab- – because now the, his higher-ups are saying, wait a minute, you're about to tell these people who they are, and you're getting caught. You didn't know that you were being recorded. You know, you have to clean this up. So now they tried to flip it to make it sound like aborigine is a slur. <laughs> they try to say – since he can't explain it, now he's trying to say, look – I'm going to publicly apologize for calling any of you people aborigines, right? So this was in, this was in, uh, right? Very interesting, right? This was in 2011, not not too long ago, right? This was in 2014. This was in 2011. So the article says, Alabama senator apologizes for aborigines remarks. A powerful Republican leader in the Alabama Senate apologized Tuesday for referring to blacks as aborigines on recordings playing during a federal gambling corruption trial. Senator Scott Beeson of Gardendale said his comments were careless and unnecessary, and he wants to set things right. Democrats said he ought to step down as chairman of the Senate Rules Committee, and even though the Republican caucus, he said he would remain. Now, the Democrats are saying, you call them aborigines. You need to get sat down because you call them aborigines. Mm-hmm. What is the slur of calling someone an aborigine? Ab- aborigine means of original. That means that you're yeah. the original people. Pretty much. So, exactly. Him being a Republican, he could get murdered for that. If you if you let the cat out the bag of who we are, you can be found dead for that. You know that. I, 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 yes, sir. No, no, I'm just. Baffled as to why they thought that was offensive. Right, why, why? because he, he he explains the context of what he was saying. Later on, it says that Beeson was making the recording remarks about gamblers in a predominantly black Green County. He made the recordings while helping the FBI investigate claims of lawmakers being bribed by gambling interests to pass a bill legalizing video poker games. In one transcript. Beeson and two other Republican legislators were talking about economic development in Greene County and the customers at one of the largest employees in Utah. That's y'all Indians, one Republican said. They're aborigines, mm. but they're not Indians, Beeson replied. That's mm. the context that he used it. One Republican said, that's y'all Indians, pointing to the black people. Interesting. His response was, they're aborigines. But they're not Indians, Beeson replied. That's a very specific statement. He's now, saying now, they're not Indians, they're mm-hmm. Aborigines. Go ahead, brother. What are you about to say? Now, think about what I brought up earlier with Federal Director 15 stating these terms are not, the, the racial definitions of Federal Director 15 are not scientific or anthropological. 
Now, when you're dealing with terms like aborigines or aboriginal and indigenous, because I tell people that all the time, they try to get into a debate with me right. about racial classification. And they right. use that term. You know, we the aboriginal, indigenous. I go, listen, beloved, aboriginal and indigenous are scientific and anthropological mm-hmm. terms. So, yeah. like, when you're saying that, I'm trying to put these tools and tools together. Because right. one of the interesting things that you brought up to my attention, I caused me to finally write a whole paper on it, was the fact that Moors were also called NAR, N-A-R. Yes. And you yes. found that in Louisiana records, which is right next door to Alabama. Right. It, I, it, I'm trying to think of a thousand things at one time, so I can't formulate the sorts of <laughs> what I want to yes. say right Like so many different things are going on in the brain, but I'm going to. I'm going to look a little deeper into that because that is a very interesting statement. And, you know, you get the prophet Noble Drew Ali and the Oru saying saying that the Moors were living up and down the Mississippi. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And you have to study that history because when you you understand that he was a Cherokee, you know, know, he was raised on a a, a reservation and, and that reservation history, you have to understand that People, like, I'm from Syracuse, New York, and mm-hmm. in Syracuse, New York, the, the key tribe there is the Iroquois, you know, mm-hmm. and that's in New York. But people don't understand, Cherokees are Iroquois Indians. They're not, they're not related to the, the, the Creeks, the Muscogees, the, 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 the Choctaws. They're not related mm-hmm. to them. They're Iroquois, the New York ones. They're related to them. Yeah. They're, they're, they're of the Longhouse family. They're of the mm. Iroquois tribal languages and Iroquois nation. That's who the Cherokee are. So you just because they're in South Carolina, that's called an island in in a in an ocean of of of, uh, of 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 other Indians. But they're Iroquois Indians. The Cherokees are. So that's very important to recognize. But that's, what's that most is. In, yes, sir. What's most important is this same senator when they pressed him on the issue. He won't even say the word Aborigine now. That means that somebody <laughs> sat down with that cracker and had to That's talk right. with him. That means yeah, that somebody, somebody brought him into that quiet little room and said, if you ever so much as even utter that word again, you know what's going to happen to you. So See, I'm going to play the clip mm-hmm. and let the listeners mm-hmm. kind of listen to it. Go ahead, brother. What are you about to say before I pause? Uh, no, I'll, I'll just real quick. Is you that if that cat gets let out of the bag, of, right. it changes the dynamic of slavery. Now we of the MST of A, we don't deal with the oh we were never brought over here by slaves. Since no, that's all we got that all in our literature, uh, you know about us being forced to come over here. But we don't believe the numbers that right. You just real quick. I want I want everybody to think about this. Mm-hmm. When the slaves got free, our people got free from slavery. I let me. I don't like to say the slaves got free. We were never slaves. We were bound free men. When our yeah. people were free from slavery, they were free from 
slavery in the southern states. People forget that in most of the northern states, our people were already freed and not listed as slaves. Now, when this, when the well, no, when the Thirteenth Amendment was passed, it was ratified, and the people were the the slaveholders were forced to release these Moors from their bondage, from their servitude, from slavery. Right. The number, right. some estimated at four million. Four million. Now, when Noble Ali comes on the scene, 1927, 1928, there's 22 mm-hmm. million of us 20 yeah. across the nation. So how do we go from 1865 to 1920? You're talking about basically, what, uh, 60, 60 years. We went mm-hmm. from 4 million people to 22 million people, that's kind of, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. And then we got to take into the account, let's just say there were 4 million free already. So now we got 8 million. So right. to, just, to go from 8 million to 22 million like that, it, it just, it, the, the numbers just don't add up to me. And when you think about the aboriginal statement that the senator made and all of these different things, it kind of you know, get your wheel and turn it. You got to sit down and, and, of course, play with the numbers and make sure you're right. And I'm theoreticizing right now. Sure, but yeah, I definitely sure, sure. want to hear that clip more. Absolutely. I'm going to play the clip, but you're absolutely right. You have to understand that a lot of our, our identities, a lot of our tribes, a lot of our culture has been erased by that wave of the mm-hmm. pen. As simple right. as that. People, people right. were shifting, erasing you know, renaming. Mm-hmm. But then when you have a senator saying that they're not Indians, they're Aborigines, mm. and you're going to listen to this dude who's so much of a punk, he won't even say the word to where the reporter <laughs> even calls him out on it and says, you won't even say it. That's some... I ain't even going to say who... What, what, I, here, I'm just going to play a clip because I, I, I'm not going to lose my inspot because of this. Here goes the clip. When I was reading to prepare for this interview, I was quite surprised to see you use the word Aborigines, talking about African Americans. You know, I, I've dealt with that issue. Um, uh, I've already you know, talked publicly about that. And my purpose here today is to say that I'm very sorry, and I apologize to anyone whose feelings were hurt by my comments. I've made very, very clear I don't know where that comment comes from. Um, well, from your subconscious. Well, I, I guess. I mean, it's not even a normal thing anyone would say, even if you meant something in a negative fashion. I don't know if you would pull that out. But for me personally, you can't just uh, close down camp and stop trying to do the things that you think are right. Uh, just because somebody, you may, you may give them an unfortunate bit of ammunition, you still got to continue to fight on and, and do what's best for the state in the long run. And but frankly, it's going to give me the opportunity to you know, talk about things that I may have never been able to talk about before. You mean the bill? Well, the bill or talk about, uh, you know, uh, race relations issues, things like that. I mean, I have a freedom that a lot of people don't have because of that. Because you use the word aborigine. Because I've been through the fire and I can, I can talk to people, I can relate to people, I can let them know what kind of person I am and we can talk about things that sometimes have been you know, a little bit taboo. So because it allowed you to reach audiences you might not otherwise have reached, do you not regret saying it? I think it gives me some opportunities. I went and spoke to a group in uh, the city of Birmingham 
It was a uh, city councilwoman's uh, community meeting, probably 95% African American, and because of, you know, things that I regret, uh, offhand remark I should not have made. Using the word aboriginal. Right, offhand remark I should not have made. Which you don't want to say. <laughs> yeah, I know better. <laughs> the, um, uh, but what it allowed me to do, they actually listened to what I said, probably more than they would have anybody else, because they want to see, you know, this is that guy, this is that person. And we discussed immigration, we discussed uh, policy that deals with uh, the county locally, and there was the ability to actually get across some things that may have surprised them, that they, you know, realized, okay, I, this guy's making some good sense on some issues. I don't know if I would ever have had that door even opened if some of those things had not happened. So it, it really has... So there you have it, brother. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Isn't that, isn't, isn't that fascinating? <laughs> that was he funny. Said, he said, he said you, can, you won't even say the word. He said, I know better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna get I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on I'm stuck on curious right now. I just have to be honest. What does what is it a slur? When did it become a slur to become yeah? When did it become a slur to be called Aboriginal to be called the original people? That's very very interesting. And this this is a part of the secret history of America. It is. it is a part of a greater secret and this is why our own is. media is so so important and we gotta get our movies out there. You know, there's never been a movie on Marcus Garvey. Why? Why has there right. never been a movie on Marcus Garvey? Because you know what? When our people watch Garvey and they let's just say the majority of that audience watched uh, the series that came on the History Channel, The Men That Built America. When they see somebody yes. like Garvey, they're going to equate Garvey to a J.P. Morgan or, or a, a Vanderbilt or, or a, um, um, Carnegie. Carnegie. They're going to do that. And why hasn't there been a movie or one of the greatest men that ever walked on United States saw you for our people, point blank. Why? So this is why it is so vital. Not only that, you look at Amin Ra's squad, right? And we put together a right. team called the Supreme Team. And one of the things yeah. that we want to do, right, uh, mm -hmm. you got the law team, you got all of these different uh, research groups. Now it's time right. for us to start thinking, like, all right, now we need to start getting grants. They got grants available. Maybe we need to incorporate and, and change our little study groups into 501c3s so now we can start getting finance to go do the things that we need to do insofar as digging up some of the archaeological records here, digging into some of the records of the people that are here and creating our own documentaries, professional, and submitting them to the History Channel. It's unique. Yeah. They're not going to turn it down. They're looking for ratings. They don't care about hiding the history. The people that create the um, the Egypt documentaries and they show all of these European, Arabian, or I call them Hagarine looking people. But they yeah. care about they care about hiding the history. The History Channel is only trying to get ratings. So if we just put our stuff together and submit it, it's going to get played on the air. This is how we got to start thinking that. Absolutely, absolutely, and and we need to be more uh, in tune with with pressing 
you know, to, 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 to digging and getting this information. Who mm-hmm. were these other Republicans that this one senator was talking to? Why would this <laughs> other senator look at the black people and call them Indians in the first place? That's right. If he was finding the right. fact that they were aborigines, why would this person look at African Americans and call them Indians? He said, those that's are right. y'all Indians. That's right. And who are those Indians? It's my family member that's sitting here as the tribe, uh, the mm-hmm. tribal chief in Oklahoma who looks exactly mm-hmm. like me. People say mm-hmm. I look exactly like him, rather. Mm-hmm. You know, but he's a he's a he's a chief of the Wing Clan in Oklahoma. So mm-hmm. why is this Republican pointing at these people saying those are y'all Indians, and he's saying they're not Indians, they're Aboriginals? Well, what's the difference? <laughs> why why are they pressing them to find that out? Don't just let them off the hook and say, you know, I apologize for the slur. No, sir, it's not a slur at all. I want to know exactly what you meant by that. Yeah. No black people him that. Yeah, now that he won't even say the word anymore, I'm quite sure he would probably never get that out of him. (laughs) What did you mean by that? We're not offended. Look, sir, we are not offended. We've been called worse. (laughs) We do not look at what you said as a threat. We're Aboriginal people. We're Aboriginal (laughs) Moors. We are the Aborigines, sir. We embrace that title. Now, what do you mean by it? That's all we want to know. That's all we want to know is what did you mean by that? You know, and, and uh, yeah, that's interesting. Now I'm, I'm going to do a little bit more deeper research into that. But that area, you start looking at that area when Noble Drew Ali is saying the Moors lived up and down the Mississippi. You know, we there's a lot of information that has been hidden in, in, by the Smithsonian Institute on this land. And we, right. I don't think that there has ever really been a team dedicated from among our people. We we get uh, scholars that have traveled all the way to Africa, all the way to Arabia, Spain, Portugal, uh, all different parts of Europe to unearth certain uh, artifacts or do certain archaeological digs with the intent of proving who the people original people were of these particular places, but we didn't place the same emphasis on here. We didn't place yeah. the same. There's an oral saying, and we, you know, I, I tell people to take Noble Drew Ali, the oral sayings that come from members about Noble Drew Ali with a grain of salt, but there's an oral saying that says, one night the prophet was walking with some moors in Chicago. And he stopped at this spot and dug down into the ground. He just dug and dug and pulled up a piece of metal that had strange writing on it. And he said, on this spot, a Moabitish queen fought and defeated five pharaohs. Now, what does that mean? Now, if let's right. just say Noble Wali really did say that. There have been some strange finds in the state of Illinois. Some people call some of the finds dubious. <laughs> right, some, right, right, right. Some of that stuff was authentic, but nevertheless, yeah. where are we? Where are right. we? Why are we not getting that stuff? And we're siphoning it all to, you know, Syracuse University where you're at, or the right. University of Georgia where I'm at. Saying, can you um, analyze this for us and, and tell us it, tell us if it's authentic, carbon dated, et cetera, et cetera? Like these are the yeah. bridges that we have to now start building as an intellectual circle 
And that's one right. of the reasons why we founded the Supreme Team so that we can start doing stuff like that. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us that are researchers to start doing that and putting out our own online journals. We can turn the tide on so much if we start taking a look. We already know all of our scholars have broken down everything that went on in the in the East, East from right. East. But what about and here? That's the importance of us investing properly in our students in colleges mm-hmm. and stuff. Mm-hmm. Amber Rothwell, we now have a generation of, of listeners and members mm-hmm. that are now in colleges. They're college That's students now. You know, That's they're in Rutgers. They're in, they're in, you know, Ivy League schools. And mm-hmm. some of them are already into archaeology. Some of them already oh, have done huge. archaeological digs in Bermuda, in different areas, and on, on different uh, slave plantations. So, wow. you know, wow. we have already invested our knowledge into the students that are already in the colleges, and now we're starting to implement them to get into key positions on mm-hmm. college campuses, presidents' uh, positions of the student unions, um, oh. we're getting them informed with, with how student unions operate. Because with mm-hmm. that, that's when you control your funding and you can bring that's in right. certain speakers to come in and talk to you. That's you know, right. Because that's they, they get like a couple thousand dollars every semester in order to bring in right. key speakers. So if right. students want to come in and make $500, $800, $1,000 to come in and speak, they can do that, you know, because we right. control the student unions. So this is all that's a part right. of what we've been doing is setting up an architectural plan. And I would advise for Supreme Team and other people mm-hmm. to do that. Invest in these college students as they're coming in and getting familiar with your message so that they can challenge their professors respectfully, but they can that's now right. start to understand how debate works. That's why we wanted to raise the bar of true that's academic right. studies. We have to be responsible with our scholarship because we're teaching them how to do it. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. We have two colleges out in Illinois. I can't think of their names right now. We got a whole group that we just snatched up. They're going to proclaim through our temple. And I'm going to be, like, down here in Georgia. I'm going to hit up mm-hmm. the HBCUs um, that's right. down here. And, I, I mean, I'm right. going to just go in and see if we can make those necessary links and not just right. from – the the scholastic standpoint of dealing with with history, but also the political science majors as well, because we're, they're sure. just as vital in in what we need to do. As and I think once we get all of these things merged and melded, it's like Sean Jetty called me one day, and he said, "You know what, Abba? Just yo forget all the debates, <laughs> forget all of the stuff we go through." For a minute, you know, I just I just call a bill with you, and man, me and Sanjetti chopped it up for like two hours, right. And when, when right. we got off the phone, I was like, "Damn, that's crazy." And me and Sanjetti just always debating. Yeah. I, even when we have regular conversations, me and him have had regular conversations on the phone before. It was just always right. a debate, but this time we just <laughs> built for about two hours, and I'm like, "Man, something in the air." And I think people are right. starting to realize that knowing and knowledge is not enough. It must be uh-huh. applied. So I think I, I, I really believe that once we start making certain moves, we can start pulling all of these things together. And what will happen is we will begin to recognize each other and say, yo, the Moors is doing, you know, certain things over there. Yo, let's go see what they're right. talking about because our doors are going to always be open. 
always. Right. Because we have to we have to build bridges with each other first. Absolutely. Have, it's crucial. I speak with exactly. I speak with college students all of the time. And yo, they are looking for some guidance. They are looking for new leaders to follow. Absolutely. They're looking yeah. for a message that will resonate within them because it's it's lacking. So when they find anything even similar, that's exactly what they're looking for. And we're right. the people who are delivering those messages. That's why we have to be responsible with our ways and actions and how we, you know, that's, that's what always has, has kept Moors on the outside, bad representation. Mm-hmm. That's what's always kept the nation of Islam on the mm-hmm. front line, good that's representation. Right. Someone right. has always been able to take Farrar's message and mm-hmm. be a good representative, and it's kept that message consistent because it went from, Farrar to Elijah, Elijah to Farrakhan, to Farrakhan right. to, you know, to, to the people that are listening to him today. Right. It's been a consistent, or uh, Malcolm rather, to Farrakhan, so a consistent message. And we That's need it. as Moors to be, you know, to, to, again, eliminate the myth, to be sound and academic right. so, that, so that it's palatable to the people. If the people look at a, 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 a person who's delivering a message, and they start to find too many flaws in that message, then they start to lose trust in whatever That's you got right. to say. That's right. You know? Because they start That's to say, man, right. I, I was with you until you started talking about me. <laughs> or I was with you until you started just, just freestyling. I can tell it don't sound right. You know, so we have to just take a step back, not saying that it's wrong, not saying that anything that we're saying mm-hmm. is wrong, just saying that we have to figure out what the prophet meant by this, 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 and then make it, under, you know, what we can agree with and say this is what he meant because it's an ever-revealing message. The message That's is right. not what you think it is on the surface. It's a revealing, right. it's layers, there's levels to this. That's <laughs> right. And, yo, that's so, why they're so mad at me. You got more. They'll come. Right. I won't just say, well, this is what it is, and y'all have to accept it. I will do a note on Facebook. I think I just tagged you in a couple, as a matter of fact, over the past week or two. You know, and and give breakdowns, not Mm -hmm. based on my opinion, but what the the, the, um, extraneous sources say from outside of what our doctrine says, to see what those outside sources match up with what the prophet is saying, and what you are misrepresenting, and this is why a, a lot of the Moors in the temple do not like me, right. but they have to admit that, yo, I, I'm one of the Moors that's helping bring people. I've Yo, Moor, I, this one brother, I sent him to a temple in D.C. The first he yes. went to this one temple, he said, yo, Moor, it was like church. He said, I, I couldn't bear. He <laughs> said, they, they wasn't showing me no love anyway. He said, yo, the reason why I reached out to you, he said, because if this was a couple years ago, I would have been like, this is what the MST of A is about? I would have dissed the temple. Yeah, he oh, said, yo, what? I watched your yeah. video. Yeah, he said, I watched your videos. I listened to your radio show. He said, yo, man, I'm asking you, can you point me to another temple? Because I trust you. I respect right. you. I'm like, right. wow, that was, that was so humbling for me because I don't yeah. look at myself like that, like the great leader God. I'll just be out there, right. you know, and I'll be telling, having people telling me to fall back. You need to have more of a leader persona. I'm like, man, I'm a general. I need to be on the mm-hmm. front line. 
stop yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, and and we we're helping bring people into the Morris Science Temple of America. You got temples doors that are seats that are being filled up because we are bringing right. the truth to the light, man. And correct, correct, it's correctly. And I'm doing my best to try to present it in a in a scholastic manner. You know, even if I wonderful job, absolutely. Honest, honest. Even if I fall short, it's a learning experience. You know, it's that's all it is. Just all of it is a learning experience. That's the that's the whole part of it. It's on the job training. There's no blueprint to this. You know what I mean? I mean, we're we're doing the best job we can. You know what I mean? We're we're on the job training, and and to me, it's responsible. It's being responsible Mm -hmm. for me to say, it's an ever revealing scripture. And I'm doing the best job that I can. To me, Indeed. it's responsible when I hear my brother Wesley say, "Listen, I'm an academic. Mm-hmm. I, I believe in the in the mother plane, and I believe in X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I believe it because I'm a believer, right. and I'm comfortable That's being right. a believer. That's right. And, and 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 as my academics lead me to where it needs to go, I will bear witness to it in an academic sense when I can prove That's it. Right. But for right That's now. Right. This is what it is, and I'm only dealing with this over here. And I think that's, that's right. responsible, and that's the way that we should be as mores or just as people. Exactly. See, we should say, look, look let me I say, don't know what look, the prophet meant by this. He's wiser than that, me. I don't know. That's right. That's right. Yo, Wes, I did a note, the same note I was speaking about earlier, based on what the prophet said, that the Moabites founded the holy city of Mecca. So, I, you know, right. scratched my head on it, but I finally was able to put together exposition on it. And when Wesley came and commented on a note, Wesley said, um, Islam, Brother Lord Abba, I know Allah and his prophet, Noble Drew, I'm paraphrasing, and his prophet, Noble Drew Ali, is proud of the powerful scholastic work you have been doing, taking what we all thought was largely myths and bringing it to the truth of life. I jumped up from the computer desk. I'm like, yeah, because yeah. I got that much respect for Wesley as a scholar yeah. and an academic because I look at his works and I compare it to what everybody else is just talking about. And I say, wait a minute, this dude is a real Ph.D. So when he said right. that, it was like, you know, you're, getting a, you're a rapper and you get a phone call from Jay-Z or Nas like, yo, man, that album was crazy, man. Keep doing yeah. what you're doing. Like, that's the way it felt to me. So it let me know exactly. that. I'm like, yo, you want to you write. You're on the right path. When I did the note, um, uh, Nah versus More, an answer for Ishmael yeah. Bay. And when you hit me yeah. up and you was like, yo, that was that was good research, I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I wanted to hear. Absolutely. I wanted to hear yeah. if you was going to say, you know, well, I thought this was that. You just said, yo, that was a good <laughs> good piece of research. Absolutely. I was like, honest, oh, that made me feel good. And this is what we have yeah. to do. This is what we Absolutely. have to do. We have to. And we, we raise the bar as, as mm-hmm. healthy competition, spirited mm-hmm. competition, but it's rooted in love. You know what I'm saying? That's right. And that's, that's what I didn't think that you were understanding where I was coming from with it. You mm-hmm. were in a different place than I was of, 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 the, of the competition. You were in Indeed. the confrontational phase. When I was in the competition phase, and I'm trying to say I love the brother. I'm not. I'm not attacking the brother. Like you know what I'm saying. But you know, my crew was at a different phase too. They were in a conquer. You know, attack, attack, attack. And I had to teach them. Uh, we ain't gonna have nothing no. going on. You know what I'm saying? So no, it's, we it's all true because it's training. so funny. 
like me, Unc, and Govey, the little dude Haru, like, yo, we would get on the phone like one in the right. morning and be on the phone. Right. I, I think you could have probably even been on one or two of them calls before and be yeah, on the yeah. phone till like four in the morning just building. See, then I got certain stuff in front of me. I'm not being overwhelmed right. before I answer one question. Somebody else asking me another question on the show. But right. when we on the right. phone and we was building, it was coming out. And all commented on one of my uncle was like, he, you know, Uncle always coming with his stuff. But then he was like, man, you know what, Ab, when I'll be debating with these moors and they start talking that crazy BS. He said, I always say, yeah, well, Lord Ab. He said something like, well, Lord Ab, <laughs> he, he don't agree with that. Or he don't rock with none of that stuff. And he said, I always send yeah. them to you. <laughs> I was like, oh, honest, man, thank you. <laughs> That's yeah, deep, I, I ain't, ain't going to do this fantasy stuff, man. We're going to try to get this thing right. If I don't know, I don't know. Period. Indeed. Shake, shake, way L, do you have anything to tell listeners before we before we close out, any kind of upcoming events or any type of a message that you would like for the listeners to kind of understand or, you know, just to share anything with the listeners? I, I, I pray, and I definitely want to let the listeners know, I pray that you, you take – the conversation that we had tonight and you just put your bias to the side for a moment and understand this, that the seat of power in this nation is in the field of politics. And it's a field open to everybody, everybody. The only thing that stops us, from attaining the place that we are supposed to be at is our status. Status determines the, the position that you are in a society, uh, your capacities and your incapacities. If you would just look a little bit deeper, if you would build with me, hit me up, or send your number to my inbox or get my number. Let's build. I'm not going to try to take you on some fantastical journey. Everything that I, I build on, I back it up with references so that you can see for yourself. We, we have to move, and we have to move as one. If we can't do it, uh, like, religiously, at least let's move politically. This is where we snatch the power at, and we actually can do something to help our struggling neighborhoods because they're not going to get any better as the years go on. That's the lasting <laughs> method that I want to leave on a show like this. Thank you so much, brother. So, um, it was the great uh, Tip O'Neill who stated that uh, all politics are local. And I think that's, that's right. the mantra that we need to understand that all politics are local and that's things right. that we can do as far as local councilmen, mayors, right. which branches off to senators and governors and that's presidents, right. but all politics are local. So, if we take hold of our local communities and our powers of making sure that our council people are representing us properly, then that's a firm foundation of what we can do to make tangible changes that we can find in our basic communities. I want to thank you again, Lord Abba, for taking time to share and espouse your wisdom with us. I'm humble. I always learn every time I speak with you. I love you, and I want to make sure that you have nothing but continued blessings for you and all of your loved ones. I sincerely mean that, and I, again, want to thank you again, dear brother. Honors, brother. I want to uh, reciprocate 
everything that you just said, beloved. I love you as well. We've definitely grown together, and I learn every time I, I see you drop something. I'm like, let me see what it's talking about today. <laughs> so, yeah, brother. Yeah, man. And, and I look forward to building with you in the, in the very near future. Yes, sir. Peace and blessings, brother. Peace and blessings, more.
with gooey chocolate chunk cookie and chewy fudge brownie. You'll be glad Domino's new marbled cookie brownie is big enough to share with all your favorite people. Get the best of both chocolatey worlds when you order one today with any of your favorites from the mix and match menu. Choose any two or more mix and match items for $5.99 each, like our new marbled cookie brownie, medium two-topping pizza, specialty chicken, eight-piece boneless chicken or wings, stuffed cheesy breads, pastas, or oven-baked sandwiches. Two-item minimum handmade pan pizza and bread bowls may be extra. You must ask for this limited-time offer. Prices, participation, delivery area, and charges may vary. 